Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. We're going to get you to start things out today straight out to the Cardinals press conference, introducing your newest third baseman for the Cardinals, Nolan Arenado. Each other on the Zoom here. So at this point in time, I turn it over to Cardinals chairman, Mr. Bill DeWitt Jr. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Well, we're obviously very pleased with the acquisition of Nolan Arenado. Uh, when we realized that Nolan was potentially available, we made every effort to secure him for the Cardinals uh, uh, for the upcoming season and uh, for a long time beyond that. Unfortunately, Nolan was interested in being a Cardinal, uh, which was important because he was on a, a no trade and he had an opt out after the first year. Uh, I give John Mosellock and his team a lot of credit for working through a pretty complicated transaction, as you might imagine. And uh, it took several days to get it done. But in the end, uh, we, uh, we got our man, which is very exciting. As you know, when we took over the club 25 years ago, our goal was to maintain and enhance, and enhance the wonderful Cardinal franchise. Uh, through that period of time, um, over the years, way back in the Branch Recchi era, uh, it was built on scouting, uh, player development, and bringing players to the big leagues. Uh, and it still is that way. But when you have an opportunity to get premium players from other clubs for whatever reason, uh, it's incumbent upon us to bring them to St. Louis. And uh, many of them, of course, have contributed to ch- our championships. Uh, to name a few, uh, Matt Holiday, Scott Rowland, Mark McGuire, Adam Wainwright, Jim Edmonds, Chris Carpenter. I'm sure I've missed a couple of top players there, but uh, that's a pretty good crew right there. Uh, And Nolan certainly uh, fits right into that group and uh, as a premium player uh, has been an outstanding uh, third baseman and hitter winning multiple gold gloves and silver sluggers and always been in the discussion of MVP. Uh, Nolan is joining us in the prime of his career, so we anticipate many uh, great seasons uh, of Nolan playing third base. I've always been a believer that great players make everyone else on the team better. Uh, The example they show, the effort they put in, uh, and Nolan uh, is known for his commitment to baseball. It's what he thinks about, it's what drives him, it's what's made him a great player, and he will set an example uh, which will not only uh, help our current players, but young players who, who see what he has to offer. Um, the Cardinals are fortunate to have 
fans who support us year in and year out. And we have an obligation to bring them the best team possible and the best players possible. And they make it possible. So uh, I want to thank the fans, as I always do when we make a big financial commitment, because without their support, uh, we wouldn't be able to do it. So I would call this a red letter day for the Redbirds. It's certainly uh, an exciting time. I've gotten multiple texts and calls and from all generations of how in the world were the Cardinals able to get Nolan Arenado. And, uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate that we were able to make it happen. So, Brian, at this point, I would uh, kick it back to you for um, the next speaker. Okay, Bill, thank you for those comments. And uh, now we will uh, turn over to John Mosellock, Cardinals President of Baseball Operations. unmute myself. Um, first off, um, this is a very exciting day. I can only echo what, what Bill said, but I, I think I need to first start off with just thanking everyone, um, starting with you, Mr. DeWitt, um, Mike Gersh, Randy Flores, Moises Rodriguez. I mean, these guys uh, spent tireless hours trying to get this done. I also want to show some gratitude towards Major League Baseball to helping us push this over, over the finish line and uh, as well as thank the Colorado Rockies for their patience during this process. Um, but at this time, I really want to just welcome Nolan and his wife, Laura, to the city of St. Louis. Um, this is an amazing day for them, for the Cardinals, and I can't tell you how excited all of us are for, for seeing this type of talent, this type of player, this type of personality joining our club. And, and you know, needless to say, the feedback I've gotten from players and um, other people in the game, it just uh, really echoes what type of player he is and how he'll fit in with this organization and this club. So um, it really makes it feel even that much better. But, you know, I asked myself this question recently on, on how does a deal like this happen? And I feel that you, you need a lot of patience, you need a level of persistency, and you need opportunity and to be opportunistic. This is, and you also need an owner that's willing to take a chance. Um, this was not an easy deal to put together. There was multiple levels of, of, of complications, um, multiple levels of hurdles that were hit, uh, but, but we continued to do it. And the feeling we have of, of, of making this happen is, is some level of relief, some level of exhaustion, but we think it's worth it. And, you know, ultimately seeing baseball come back in a couple of weeks, I think we're, we're all looking forward to that. We're all hopeful that we can have a, a normal season. And when I, when I reflect on the moment of today, we realize it, it, it is a special day, but we hope it's really uh, just the first step in, in many years of success, having Nolan on our club. So at this point, uh, I'll turn it back over to you, Brian. And uh, thank you. We're listening to the Nolan Arenado introductory press conference right here on 101 ESPN. Free, you're not obligated by any means. We can jump into questions right away. But uh, no, I, uh, I got a few things. You know, I, first of all, Mr. Uh, Mr. DeWitt and uh, Mo, thank you uh, for the hard work. Um, 
I know this wasn't easy. And uh, thanks to my agent, Joel, you know, I heard it was a grind and uh, they probably know how it feels to play 162 right there, just trying to negotiate this contract. So, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful, very thankful to be a Cardinal, a great organization with great history. And uh, me and my family are really excited to be a part of it. So uh, I just want to thank you guys. Thanks, Nolan, and, and welcome. Uh, at this point, we will start with the questions. Again, I ask that you please use the uh, raise your hand reaction button and we will uh, call you, keep your microphone muted when you're not speaking to avoid any background noise. And uh, we'll start with questions first with Derek Gould of St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And if you could please also uh, note who you're directing your question towards. Thank you. I'd like to direct this question towards Nolan. Uh, Nolan, Derek, cover the Cardinals for the post-dispatch. I wondered what this last, you kind of described it there with the grind. What was this last eight, nine days like for you as you kind of knew what you were on the cusp of, but also all the things that had to be cleared? Were you anxious, pensive? Was there an excitement as you're there working out? Yeah, um, I mean, probably Mo and those guys would probably speak on a little bit more than I could, but, you know, I... It was, it was tough. You know, I knew it was, you know, you're hearing that was getting close and you never knew. Um, I never, I didn't want to jump the gun and get too excited. Um, but <clears throat> once I heard that it was done, I was, you know, I'm thrilled, you know, I'm very excited to join this team. You know, it's a bittersweet moment, right? You know, I, I'm going to miss some of the boys on the, on the Rockies. You know, I got to know them, got to know some of those coaches for a long time. And I've known a lot of them since I was like 18 years old, you know, and I'm 29 now. So, you know, I have some relationships that I'll cherish for the rest of my life over there, but coming to a team like St. Louis with great players and great history, it was, you know, I'm just super excited. Um, I've always admired this organization from afar. You know, I told Mo the story when I was a rookie, we went to St. Louis with, and I remember Tulo was just the first thing he told me when we got there is like, just watch the way these guys play the game and you're going to learn or you're going to learn something. And uh, he was quite right um, about that because this team was extremely talented and they did the little things to win ball games. And that's something that I've always admired about this organization. Benjamin Hockman, I know you know Nolan from your Denver days. Hey, Nolan. Um, yeah. Welcome to St. Louis. I uh, just want to ask you uh, about the idea of winning a World Series championship. You've won basically everything, most everything else in baseball. Can you put into words your hunger, desire to win it all? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, that's the dream, right? You know, as a kid, you dream of winning a World Series, and that is still the dream now. And uh, to, to join this organization that, uh, you know, they care about winning and they want to get things done. That's, it's really exciting. You know, they, they're always competitive and that's something that, you know, got my attention. And uh, of course the goal is always that the whole goal is get the playoffs, but we have to set goals first. Let's get the spring training, get our timing down. We'll move into the season, hopefully God willing, healthy, move into the season, play as many games we can, win the, hopefully God willing, win the division and then make, keep making our way up. You know, we got to set the goals like that. And I think that's what we'll do. Um, I, you know, I'm, Excited to join this staff because this team has more playoff experience than I've ever had. You know, I'm, I'm just a piece to the puzzle here and uh, I'm excited to be a part of this group. You know, I know they're going to help me and guide me along just like I can help them in this game also. So it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Randy Carricker, ESPN 101, St. Louis. Hey, Nolan, uh, a couple of things. Number one, can you give us the proper pronunciation of your last name? And secondly, we've heard over the last couple of days about your legendary work ethic. Where did that come from and uh, how does it manifest itself for you? Yeah, well, last name's Arenado. Um, 
I mean, you can call it whatever you want, you know, it's all good, but Arenado is how you say it. Um, but, uh, you know, I think just growing up around Todd Helton, Troy Tulowitzki, you know, guys that work so hard. And, you know, when I was a young player, I see the success that they're having and I wasn't having as much success as them. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I need to pick it up a little bit. I mean, these guys are working so much harder than I am. And I probably, and they're having such success. Maybe I need to start doing that. So that's just kind of how it all started. And, just wanting to stay in the big leagues, you know, that was, you know, your goal is to get there, but you want to stay after. And then you set different goals as it goes on, you know, you want to win, make an all-star team and win a gold glove, win, you know, do those things. You just, you just want to set these goals and continue to accomplish them. And uh, that's just kind of how it all started. Ron Blum, Associated Press. Hey, Nolan, and for you and for Bill, with all the excitement for the trade in this season, does part of you worry that given the relationship between the parties that a work stoppage could be likely for spring training next year? I'll let probably Bill go first on that one. <laughs> uh, you know, Ron, um, hopefully no. Uh, and you know, it's incumbent upon both parties to try to reach a mutually beneficial agreement. And I know both parties will make every effort to do that. So, uh, you know, that's the last thing I'm thinking about right now. I'm <laughs> thinking about spring training this year and uh, hopefully having a great season. So, you know, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds and the issues and, and all the things that uh, are important to both sides. But historically, uh, MLB and the Players Association have avoided work stoppages for a long, long time, longer than any other uh, professional sport. So uh, let's hope that that continues uh, through next year. Hey, Nolan, your thoughts on? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I hope we don't have a work stoppage. I hope we are able to play. I think, I think both sides want to play. And that's what, you know, especially with this 2020 season, how it got delayed and all the things that are going on in our country, it probably wouldn't be very good if we had a stoppage. So. You know, I, I hope we are able to play and we are able to settle those disputes or whatever they are and get them done. And I believe we can. Um, well, there's always there's always agreement there. And I believe there can be listening to Nolan Arenado's introductory press conference, the newest member of the St. Louis Cardinals. You're hearing it right here on 101 ESPN. Some of the connections you've had to players in the current team throughout your career. I know that you and Paul Goldschmidt, for example, have played together in a, in a couple of spots. I know that. Maybe we're not technically on the current team here, but you and Yadier Molina, I think, as well, have a relationship. Can you sort of speak to what those connections were like and, and how they can maybe inform what coming to St. Louis will be like for you? Yeah, well, you know, I got to know – I've gone on vacation trips with uh, the Carpenter family, so I got to know him a little bit, talking to Matt, and um, obviously got a lot of respect for Yadi. I've always enjoyed watching him play and how he – you know, he changes the game with how good he is and talking to him. But there's a couple of guys there, you know um, – you know, Mark Reynolds played there, you know, Descalso, you know, I just asked those questions to those guys. You know, I don't know a whole lot of them, but, you know, I'm excited to get to know them. But Goldschmidt for sure is a friend of mine. Um, I consider him a good friend. And obviously he's one of my favorite players of all time. And playing against him, like I said, I play against him in rookie ball and then playing against him in the big leagues. And and then now we're on the same team. It's pretty cool. Um, so, no, it's, it, you know, definitely talking to them and getting to know them will probably make this transition a lot easier. And, uh you know, that, that, that'll make it a lot easier to get ready and hopefully uh, get into it. Zach Silver with uh, Cardinals.com. 
Hey, Nolan. Uh, welcome to St. Louis. Um, just curious, what you already—you you mentioned you came out here with Tulo, and he told you just to observe and, and to uh, you know learn from what the organization does. What do what did what do you know about the organization? What do you know about the city? And what are you just most most excited to learn about St. Louis? Well, obviously, you know you know how good they are. You know the, the winning tradition, the history behind them, and the great players that came through this organization. You know, obviously, admire you know, just the way they've won consistently. So, and they're so good. Um, and the fans are amazing. You know, I remember going there, you know, playing every time they, you know, they have a lot of respect for good play and, you know, their respect for the visiting team also. And uh, yeah, I remember I made diving plays there and, you know, I like, they're like clapping for me. Like it was a home game in Colorado and it was in St. Louis, you know, and I remember Charlie Blackman had an a bat in St. Louis, his first at bat and the announcer thought it was his debut and it wasn't. It was like his second year in the league. And the Cardinal fans gave him like a standing ovation. It was pretty funny. <laughs> so we're all like, what is going on here? What did he do? But uh, it just shows you the respect they have. And uh, it was pretty cool to see that, you know. And it just shows you that, they, you know, they just respect, you know, the game and respect people that make their make their uh, the way to the big leagues. So it's pretty cool to be a part of that. Uh, David Wallstein, New York Times. Hi, Nolan. Um, I'm just wondering um, if you're – surprised at how quickly things change with the Rockies, you know, after, after signing your extension there and probably planning to spend the rest of your career there. And then do you feel bad for, you know, you mentioned Charlie and Trevor and the guys that are left behind? Um, you know, I, you know, you know like when, when I signed in Colorado, I signed with the intent to be there for the rest of my career. That was the, the that was the attempt, but you know, it wasn't meant to be, you know, the last few years have been tough and, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people are probably bothered by this, but, you know, uh, I'm not the first contract to get moved after a couple of years. You know, it's part of it. It happens a lot in this game. You know, it happened to Stanton. It's happening to me. You know, Lindor is another guy who, you know, I know he has a long-term deal, but, you know, I thought he, we all kind of figured he was going to be an Indian for a long time also. But it's just part of the game. It happens. And, uh, you know, I, I feel bad. I, I mean, I, I don't feel bad because I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to move on. And I'm, 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 but I, I, you know, I miss those guys, you know, they're my, my great friends. I consider them brothers and, you know, I, they got a special place in my heart. You know, we were able to do some great things and I've known Charlie since I was 17, 18 years old also, you know, and I got to know Trevor <clears throat> and, you know, I got to meet a lot of great people there, but, you know, the, you know, the intention was to sign there and be there, but things change and I couldn't be happier to, for it to change and be in this situation now. Ben Fredrickson, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Nolan, uh, welcome to St. Louis. Uh, I'm curious uh, how your shoulder's feeling and uh, kind of what the offseason looked like for you with that. And if, you'd, if, if you're willing to share, how much do you think that affected you um, last season offensively, that, that injury? Well, yeah, I mean, the first few months of the off or the first month of the offseason, it was kind of tough. You know, uh, couldn't do a whole lot. You know, didn't lift, couldn't really lift and couldn't hit do anything really a whole lot. So I had to take it easy, but you know, I got treatment, I got the right trainers and the right people helping me and I feel really good again. I'm, you know, I, I'm not worried about it. I don't think, you know, I don't know unless something crazy happens, but I, I don't expect this to be a problem in the future, but, um, and yeah, you know, it was tough last year. Um, you know, I don't want to make the excuse that it was only because of that, but you know, it wasn't easy playing injured. <clears throat> Didn't feel good being hurt. Um, I feel like I'm in a better place now. My swing is better. I feel like I can finish high again. And, uh, you know, I, I expect to be back to normal and be back to who I am. So, you know, uh, last year was a tough year. 
you know, I, but I, you know, I know I'm better than that. So I expect to be. Uh, Brian Walton. Owen, what are your thoughts about playing your home games in the ballparks of the central division versus the West where you've been your entire career to date? Well, it's going to be a different and it's going to be an adjustment. Um, obviously playing, you know, you, I played in those stadiums a lot throughout my career, so I kind of already know them, but to be there more consistently will be different, but I'm excited. You know, I, I, I wish stadiums, a, I know it's a big field, but I love it and the fan base and I know it's a great place to play and I'm really excited to play there. And then obviously the rivalry with the Cubs will be great going to Wrigley. Um, I've always enjoyed that stadium. It's such a great place with great fans. Um, Cincy, we got a good team and Pittsburgh, it's all great ballparks, you know, parks that, you know, uh, you know, I've never, you know, I've always enjoyed going to and, uh, you know, I feel like it's going to be fun. You know, I heard the travel is real easy, which is great. So that's going to be nice. So, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to play in this division. It's something new and that, that gets me really excited to go. Troy Rank, uh, looks like you're a moving car. Hope you're not driving. No, I'm not driving. I promise, Brian. Thanks for Nolan. Good to see you. Congratulations on the move. Thanks, when, Troy. Uh, you signed the deal and you were the face of the franchise and Dick Moffert said earlier today that nine months ago you asked to be traded and they basically there that nothing was changing that was was it just the issue of you just felt like you could no longer win there and that this was going to be the only solution uh, I mean that's just what Rocky fans want to know and it's about 99% leaning in support of you but is there something that happened where you realized this was going to be inevitable Nolan um you know I think <clears throat> yeah I mean when you have a big like I said earlier, when you have a contract like mine and you're losing, you know, usually, you know, I think a lot of these contracts get moved and that's just kind of what happened now. Um, you know, I want, like I said, I signed there to be there for a long time and I wanted to win there. It didn't work out. So, uh, you know, you move on and that's what I'm going to do, you know, and I'm really excited to be here. When you look at it and you saw what happened with Holiday and these other guys, do you see this as a chance to kind of – you know, where you're playing meaningful games, they've had 13 straight winning seasons. How enticing is that when you wake up, you know, for every day and feel like you're a contender? Well, exactly. I think that's exactly it. You know, I made this decision based on <clears throat> hopefully go to a competitive team, a team that, you know, has great tradition. And I believe St. Louis has that. Obviously, you said they have 13 straight winning seasons. You know, hopefully we can, throughout my career, we can make it even more. So, that's the goal. And um, like I said, I'm really excited to join this team. I feel like this is a really good team to do special things. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to get to Jupiter. Last thing, what would you tell Rockies fans today? I mean, they are, it's almost like they're in mourning. I guess, what would your message be to them as this thing's now official? Well, you know, I, I got a lot of love for the Rocky fans. You know, they've always supported me throughout my career. Um, and, you know, I, I truly care about them. They got a special place in, in my heart. And uh, in my family's heart, you know, we this 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 move, you know, it's it's a, it's a we're really excited. But it, you know, our families, it's crazy because Colorado is like our second home. So we loved it. We love those fans. We appreciate the support. And you know, I, the only thing I would tell them is that I did my best and I gave them my all, and that's all I could really do. Thank you, my man. All right, Derek Gould, St. Louis Post Dispatch. Nolan, a few times during this, you've described. Uh, obviously visiting St. Louis as a rookie and then also knowing some of the players, well, you had a lot of power with your no trade clause to determine where you would go. How much did you look into the future of the Cardinals and what it might look like if you were to spend say the second half of your career 
here and the team that they would put around you? Well, you know, I saw who was on that team now. And, you know, obviously Goldschmidt's going to be there for the next four or five years. You know, and I kind of just saw the end of my contract and I saw the rest of the players. You know, it's all kind of similar at the same time. Um, as development goes, I mean, I'm not – I mean, that's something I'm not worried about with St. Louis. I mean, they always bring up guys that are ready to go. You know, and they always, they're always good about producing players that are ready to go and contribute. And so, I mean, that's something, you know, and I'm not too worried about. And, you know, they have a good pitching staff, good defense, and hopefully we get the best catcher back and uh, we'll keep it moving. But, you know, uh, they have a great team. You know, I really believe that. Like I said, they've, they've had 13 straight winning seasons. So that's, that's enticing enough to me. And I know they care about winning, and I believe they'll do everything we can to win. As, as part of this, you were able to get the second opt-out that we all know about. What are some of the th- factors that you'll consider as you look to whether you stick around? Because you'll have that choice twice to make whether you want to go somewhere else. Yeah, well, you know, I plan on sticking around. So, you know, that's my goal. I plan on staying here for a long time. You know, I, I've said that once in Colorado, but I truly, you know, I, I mean it. You know, I, I expect to be here for a long time. I'm, I'm not worried about that. Thanks, Nolan. Mm-hmm. Randy Kierker, ESPN 101, St. Louis. Hey, Mo, uh, you've been talked about with the Rockies and, and Nolan for a long time. When's the first time you ever called Colorado and expressed interest in Nolan Arenado? And when did you finally reach the point? And I guess the, the question is, what was the biggest hurdle? The, Bill talked about how complicated this was. What was the biggest complicated hurdle that you had to jump to get this deal done? Yeah, to start off with um, chronological order, we did have some interest in, in Nolan uh, this past off season, And then uh, I think it really sort of started gaining a little bit of momentum in, in the month of December of uh, 2020. And then as, as we sort of worked our way to where we are today, it just seemed like every time we thought we might get somewhere, something ha- happened. And so, like, there was not one particular hurdle that stands out as, like, oh, no. But there were – I mean, I can tell you, like, everybody that was involved in this deal will tell you, like, every time we thought we were close, something else happened. And then um, you asked the question to Nolan, like, how he felt over the last, like, 10 days. I can tell you, like, the last week or so, I keep feeling nauseous. Like, it just felt like something was going to go wrong. And – you know, it, it, it just took a lot of patience on, on everyone's side to get it to where we are. And uh, again, just grateful for everybody's participation to get to the finish line. Benjamin Hockman, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, for Mo and Bill DeWitt, uh, on the topic of potentially playing in the World Series and winning the World Series, can you put into your own words – um, why you think this St. Louis Cardinals team now can contend for that and maybe the difference between the idea of getting into the playoffs and making a run in the playoffs? I'll defer to Bill first. Okay. Um, well, as I said before, having a player like Nolan playing third base uh, and setting an example for particularly some of the young, talented players we have, uh, and veterans as well. Uh, it's just going to uplift, uh, I think, our team overall. And we have some young guys who are 
coming into their own. Uh, and we have veterans who you know pretty much what to expect. So uh, I, I, I think this is, a, in a way, a perfect storm uh, from a position player standpoint. Defense, uh, you know, is a hallmark of Cardinal teams and certainly is of this one with uh, Nolan at third and has been. Um, we have a good pitching staff, as Nolan referenced, uh, deep. We've got good young pitching coming. And we've got good young players uh, coming. So I feel like we're deep uh, at this point in time uh, with uh, what we have in the organization. And this is, uh, you know, what we accomplished last year, given the challenges and, and how we had players, you know, throwing into pillows while they were up in the hotel in Milwaukee to maintain and stay in shape. Uh you know, it was pretty remarkable. And we actually were in position to win that first round. It just didn't work out. So I'm very optimistic. I think we've got a good club, uh, one that could contend with anybody. Yeah, I, I would echo that. I, I think simply put, um, we might not be done. I mean, we're still looking at things that, that might transpire between now and the time we get down to Jupiter. Um, there's always opportunities and we're going to continue to keep looking. But with the addition of, of Nolan, we, we think, you know, we went from a, a good to great team. And, um, but the supporting cast or the really as teammates, you know, we have a lot of um, belief and faith that they're going to be good. And so when you look at all the things we possibly could have done this off season, um, you know, clearly our target was Nolan and we were able to get it. And, you know, we, we hope it is the difference maker. That was the introductory press conference for Nolan Arenado. We will continue rolling on that out in the production. Else that pops up that you need to be uh, appraised of. We will make sure to do that throughout the show today. But we got to pull out a little bit early. We've got Walt Jockety, former Cardinals general manager, current Reds GM. He's going to join us coming up next right here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Welcome back to the BK and Ferrario show here on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by former Cardinals general manager, current executive advisor to the CEO for the Cincinnati Reds. He is Walt Jockety joining us here on a big day in St. Louis. Walt, we sincerely appreciate the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Uh, That'd be great in St. Louis, I would think. Oh yeah, it's going all right. I gotta say. So we were just <laughs> listening to the introductory press conference for the newest St. Louis Cardinal, Nolan Arenado. I was curious for your perspective on this, as someone who's in the game, has seen quite a bit of Nolan Arenado yourself. What was your reaction to the trade when it was officially announced last night? Yeah, I was uh, actually just watching it myself. It, I, you know, I think it's. Uh, uh, I know it's been a long time coming. I know they've been working on it for over a year. Sometimes it, it just takes that long to get deals done, especially one as complicated as this. But it obviously is a great, great boost for the Cardinal fans, the Cardinal organization, and, and uh, you know, for their chances this year. It certainly gives them an edge in the in the division and, and uh, you know, gives them a very, very solid club and it gets that big bat they needed in the middle of their lineup. 
Well, give our listeners a, a behind the curtain look at this from a from a front office perspective. How difficult is it to to get a trade done like this, where you're making a move for a superstar potential player? Well, it's extremely hard, and especially nowadays. And, and you know, I think this deal is more complicated because of the financial um, uh, issues involved, and, and you know, there's a lot of hurdles to overcome. Not only just negotiating between two clubs, but you got to get Major League Baseball to sign off on, on everything that uh, uh, you, you agreed to. And, and that's not always that easy sometimes, but you know, it's, it, uh, you know, it, it, I had several deals that took a while. One, one in particular was, <clears throat> excuse me, Jim Edmonds. I started talking to uh, Bill Stoneman of the angels at the GM meetings in November of that year. And then the following we didn't get the deal done until finally middle of spring training. And it just took that long to, try and get it done. And sometimes deals take a while. The Wainwright deal took a while. So, you know, it's, uh, it's others get done quicker, but you know, a deal like this for Arenado was very complicated. You know, they had to agree on players because of the, um, the two outs that are in the contract and the, you know, all the, all the money. So it's a, it was a very difficult deal that, uh, you know, they're, very fortunate to get it done. Just as a follow-up, Walt, from a general manager's perspective, how, how do you stay motivated to make sure you stay in contact with that team? Because after a year, I would imagine some guys just feel like, look, this is a lost cause. Well, I'm sure Mo is a lot like I was. You know, you know, you know, When you have something in your head that you want to get done, you don't, you don't stop until you get it done unless it's completely impossible. And I'm sure that I felt that there was always a, a chance of getting this thing completed at some point and um you just don't let up until you get it done and that's that's you know that's our competition as as front office executives and general managers our competition is trying to make your team better and trying to um, make deals that make your team better and and do everything you can possible to to achieve that and give your manager and coaches a a better team to work with Former Cardinals general manager Walt Jockety joining us here on 101 ESPN. Walt, you worked alongside uh, Bill DeWitt Jr. previously. I'm curious, when you have this kind of a commitment from the ownership group, I mean, the Cardinals are, while the Rockies reportedly are paying down some of this, they're still taking on $165 million in terms of total commitments for Arenado. How significant is it to have that commitment from the ownership whenever you're making a deal like this? It's huge. uh, You know, Bill... Even when I was there, it was always very cooperative. Um, you know, when we got first acquired McGuire, um, you know, I had I had a feeling we'd be able to ex- extend them. And, uh, you know, uh, Bill and the rest of the ownership stepped up and allowed us to, to do that. And, and, you know, to extend Pujols, extend Roland. And, you know, it just takes, you know, uh, um, uh, ownership like, like Bill and his group with some vision and, and uh to try and get deals done that makes it uh, much easier and bill's done a good job with that well one of my uh, one of my personal favorite trades in your time with the st louis cardinals was the acquisition of scott Rowland, and i know a lot of cardinals fans feel the same way does this remind you a little bit of what you went through when you were with the cardinals of acquiring an all-star hall of fame potential third baseman absolutely i thought about that the last few days it's it's very similar um, you know, there wasn't as much money. Well, Scott was, wasn't signed and that was another guy we had to extend. So, um, it's very, it was very similar. I mean, I, I think it's the same caliber player and what they'll, what the, he'll bring to that team, to that clubhouse that Roland did. And, and it's, uh, yeah, I think it's very similar. And I think 
that's why it's going to be a great long-term deal for him. I'm curious, Walt, whenever you look at these kinds of deals, the Cardinals have sort of returned to the philosophy that you had when you were here in St. Louis, where they're trading for these proven stars. They traded for Paul Goldschmidt and then re-signed him and extended him and kept him here in St. Louis. Same thing here with Nolan Arenado, although he already had that existing contract. When you mm-hmm. look at that philosophy, what what about that is so appealing to a front office executive like yourself? Can you tell us a little bit about what goes into decisions like that? Well, I'm just I'm glad to see them do that because it's I think that's that's what you have to do to be um, con- continue to be successful year after year. You have to they do a great job as we've done in the past with you know your player development and scouting. They've always had um, you know we I think the uh, Cardinal scouts have always been recognized some of the top in the country and the top in baseball and our player development from the days of George Kissel was was always very strong and, and that's so that's how you build your your nucleus of your club and then when you get to the point that you can add the all stars, the, the the top caliber players like uh Roland and McGuire and uh, Edmonds and guys like that now Arenado and Holiday before that, uh Larry Walker. I mean there's just it puts you in a great position to put that's that one or two players that'll put you over the top and be successful and and contain, uh, continue to be successful for a number of years, and 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 have some kind of stability. But it's, uh, it, it, you know, the other thing too, guys, that it, I feel very strongly about is that it's the fan base there. They're, they're the ones that really motivate this and push it and and uh, allow it to happen because of the support they give, and that uh, puts Cardinals in a very good position. To, continue to operate like this. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the follow-up question that I wanted to ask you all because the for the last few years there have been some Cardinals fans that wondered aloud whether or not St. Louis was still a destination for players. I think based on this with Noah Arenado officially waiving his no trade clause being one of the best players in the sport I think we can hopefully put that to rest. Do you still think that players around the league view St. Louis as a as a potential destination city to come play baseball? Yeah, I think I think it's certainly one of the top uh, uh, organizations and, and cities to play in, and it's you know, and I think a lot of it's because of the fans. The fan supports the, they get, and and the, and the knowledgeable fans. Of, you know, it's a, it's a generational thing as we've always talked about. It's guys. It came with their grandfathers and their fathers, and and uh, it just is carried through uh, to to present uh, time. And it's it just I think players see that players. I know that was the one thing that really motivated McGuire. He loved, you know, we we were in Oakland all those years, and we did okay there. I mean, with, with fans, but just didn't have the support like he had in, in St. Louis. And I, I think that made a big difference with a lot of the guys. And uh, so I think that does play a big factor in it. I think St. Louis is a, uh, certainly a, uh, a place that guys want to play. Walt, my final question for you, and those that don't know, Walt Jockety works as the executive advisor to the CEO for the Cincinnati Reds. From the NL Central perspective, Walt, what does this move by the Cardinals do for the other teams? Well, it, it certainly makes it a lot tougher because, you know, I, we thought that uh, we had a pretty good opportunity to, to uh, continue to improve and get, uh, uh, you know, in the uh, staying contention, being be contending club this year. And uh, I think we still will. Uh, we had to make a couple of moves earlier, but uh, we, we're we doing some more things to add to our club now. But I think we're going to have a competitive club that's going to 
be right in the race. And I think that um, uh, the Cardinals, have, like I said, I think Arenado gives them the big edge. And, uh, you know, getting Wayne right back, and uh, I'm fairly confident that Yachty will come back. And that uh, gives them a really solid, solid uh, everyday club with uh, uh, a good pitching staff, a deep pitching staff. And, um, you know, they've got to feel pretty good about their opportunity right now. Walt, how about Wayno and Yachty? I mean, they, they were here with you back in the mid-2000s. Can you yep. believe they're still doing it at such a high level in 2021? It's it's incredible. It really is. They're both such great guys. And, and uh, yeah, I'm glad that uh, Wayno signed back. And, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm would be surprised if Yachty didn't. But uh, I'm glad and hope that they can finish their careers with the Cardinals. I think it, it means a lot to them. I think it means a lot to the organization and to the fans. So, um, you know, it's... Uh, I give it credit to those guys and to the organization for that. I know you mentioned that this Arenado acquisition reminds you a little bit of Scott Rowland whenever he was brought here to St. Louis. I wanted to ask you defensively about Nolan Arenado because that is the comp that a lot of people have made to us as we've kind of broke this trade down the last few days. When you look mm-hmm. at Nolan Arenado defensively, what do you see there and how good is this guy? I see Scott Rowland, <laughs> you know, and that's one thing that, uh, uh, I think he's got a chance to be, uh, you know, a, a great defensive player, continue to be a great defensive player. And, and I think he's going to uh, just make that infield a lot much, uh, much better. It makes their overall defense, which I think had been a problem for in the last few years, but this certainly will tighten up their defense in the infield. And, and uh, you know, he's a all-star gold glove caliber player. Is he one of the best defensive third basemen you've seen, Walt? Yes. Yes, I would say he is, and but you know, so is Scott Rowland. I mean, Scott, uh, and I think you know, Scott fell a little bit short this year in the Hall of Fame balloting, but I think uh, he will eventually get there because he certainly deserves to be there. He's one of the top third basemen of all time. He's Walt Jockety, former Cardinals general manager, now the executive advisor to the CEO for the Cincinnati Reds. Walt, sincerely appreciate the time today. All the best to you and your family, and we look forward to talking with you again in the future. Anytime. I enjoyed it. Thanks. For Thanks Walt. Absolutely. That's Walt Jockety joining us here on 101 ESPN. I mean, there's nothing else you could say, man. <laughs> when I asked him, when you look at Nolan Arenado, what do you see? He said, I see Scott Rowland. This is the exact same move. 29 years old, disgruntled with the other organization. <laughs> the only difference is Rowland wasn't locked up like Walt said. Arenado's locked up and he told us in the press conference, I'm not going anywhere. I also find it very interesting that, I mean, when you, when you look at what Arenado is as a player right now, mm-hmm. the accomplishments that he already has as he arrives here in St. Louis, I think is what sets this apart from some of the other, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, from some of the other moves that the Cardinals had made previously under Mo. They tried to project with a guy like Jason Hayward. They tried to project with a guy like Marcelo Zuna. They're not projecting anything. There mm-hmm. is no projection to be had with Goldschmidt, or with Arenado. You've seen it. It's happened right in front of your very eyes. Both of them are among the best defensive players at their position, maybe ever. And both of them have produced at the plate consistently from the time they reached the big leagues as an everyday major league starter. I just, I think that because we have such a clear comparison here in St. Louis, it's easy to know exactly how this is probably, hopefully, fingers crossed, going to go. He's going to become the Scott Rowland of the 2020s. Yep. that That's what we're watching right here. It's going to breathe new life into an organization that frankly shouldn't have lost that luster, 
Bud did for a little bit. I mean, Walt said it. I mean, look, this this team has been at the top of the NL Central and winning seasons since 2013, but it lost their luster a little bit because of the lack of that superstar talent, and that's no disrespect to a Paul Goldschmidt or a Jack Flaherty or an Adam Wainwright or Yadier Molina, but they just got that guy back. I, I mean, we were talking about it during that press conference, BK. Just the smile alone. Like, Francisco yeah. Lindor has been the million-dollar smile in Major League Baseball. Well, this is the $150 million smile for the Cardinals because just his attitude has already set Cardinals fans above cloud nine. So Kyle Newman covers the Colorado Rockies out in Denver. He just tweeted this, quote, more than anything, Nolan Arenado is saying on this introductory press conference, his disposition is what says everything. He's smiling. He looks like a weight has been lifted from his shoulders, like he's now on a team that can actually contend annually for the rest of his career, end quote. Again, that came from Kyle Newman of the Denver Post. He's covered him out in Colorado his entire time out there. That's the difference is it It seems like he has finally found the spot where he needed to be in. So good for Nolan Arenado. We will give you more of the Colorado perspective coming up later today. Coming up next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. is the air comfort service tax line for questions and answers coming up later today. We're going to talk about these Cardinals projections that are out there because uh, frankly, they're laughable. 80 to 82 wins is an absolutely asinine projection Whoa. for this current Cardinals team. It's insane. I can't believe that those are out there, but here we are. And of course, Tanner being the hot taker that he is. I know Tanner's getting hot over here, arguing the other side of that. We'll get into that coming up later on today. But right now, let's get into the questions and answers. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. Let's start with this one. Guys from the 636, did I hear John Mozeliak say in his press conference that the Cardinals, quote, might not be done? Yeah, all three of us went bug-eyed when he said that. Now, if you want to be John Mozeliak, you like to get people excited, and that might not be done, might just be Yachty or Molina. But, heck, you saved $50 million with Arenado this season. Could be Colton Wong? Well, you say 15 this year. Okay, whatever. You're getting a $50 million check, BK. Eventually, yeah. But th- just to clarify, it's 15 this year. All right. Don't get all for, number nerds no. on me here. No, I, I think that's a really important clarification because they're paying $20 million for Arenado. So they, they are adding to the payroll with him this year. There was other reports out there last night that that was not the case. They're going to be paying $20 million for him. So with that being said, you have money to spend if you do want to go out there. Maybe it's Colton Wong. Maybe it's a cheaper option when it comes to an infielder like a Jonathan Scope or somebody that's a restricted free agent or unrestricted free agent, I should say. And then you always have the possibility of pitching depth, which, look, you always need pitchers. Pitchers are like defensemen in the NHL. You want to have as many as possible. And we were already talking about that in the break. So he's not wrong. When you get Arenado and you want to compete for a World Series, you go out there and you find what else is out there. And right now it's bargain shopping in Major League Baseball. So I'm with him. Even if it's just Yachty, there's still some moves to be made for this Cardinals team. I think it's Yachty. I think that's what he was referencing. If I had to guess today, um, I think that they would have liked to have added a bigger bat in the outfield, a left-handed bat. There was the report from Greg Amsinger on with Carriker and Smallman earlier this week that he thinks that they were very close to a deal with Jock Peterson before he decided to sign with the Chicago Cubs. 
I don't know that that bat is now out there. I don't know there's another guy that profiles similarly to Jock Peterson. Does the, are they, when he said, are we, we're, we might not be done yet. I think he was referencing Molina and the fact that they could still add at the deadline. I don't think he was talking about another big acquisition this offseason. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think they're bringing back Wong, and I don't know that there's a significant enough upgrade in the outfield that they would be willing to sign it to once again complicate things when it comes to the guys they already have. There's always those bench possibilities, too. I mean, you want to load that bench up, and and look, we know that we talked about the the roster spots yesterday, but Elhuris Montero is not on the 40-man roster anymore. So you got to figure there might be another move, but I'm with you. I think Yachty's going to be the likely one, and then they decide where to go from there. Yeah, I mean, you look at the roster crunch. That's part of it. Yachty, Kisner are going to be catchers. Goldie, Edmund, Young, uh, Arenado, Carpenter, and then you've got the six outfielders that they've got as well. That's already 13 guys that are going to be on your 26-man roster. That's probably what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Maybe you do one of those outfielders going into the season. Maybe Thomas starts out in AAA, and you add on an Edmundo Sosa to the big league club, something like that. That's probably the one roster spot that you could realistically upgrade is Edmundo Sosa, and maybe that's where you get your scope. Signing, yep. maybe, but I, I still think that I think they might be done after they officially announced Yadier Molina. They haven't announced that yet, so I would imagine that's the one they were talking about. It's from the six one eight, move DeYoung and a prospect for story. I'm calling it. Look, if you think Colorado is ever going to pick up that phone from John Mozeliak again, you are sadly mistaken. From the reports in Colorado, what the owner is saying compared to the general manager, this the, the city might burn down after today. Can I give you pass along a quote that just came across from Rocky's owner, Dick Monfort? Uh, you're looking at the same one I am. Yes, please. Quote, I haven't thought about firing Jeff Breidich. No, I have, however, thought about firing myself. That is a quote from the Rocky's owner. What? <laughs> I have <laughs> thought about firing myself. Is Denver burning to the ground right now? Yeah. What is going on? And I mean, I guess if you're the owner's perspective, like you have to imagine with his words this today during the press conference compared to the general manager's Burdich's words, there was a misconnect in communication between the two when this deal was on the table. Because the owner's talking about how, hey, if I was a fan, I'd be ticked off too. I don't know why we pulled this off. There the- were times in the last couple of weeks that this Cardinals deal, quote, didn't make sense, says Rockies owner Dick Monford. So Burdich has, <laughs> as Jamie Rivers likes to say, has to have pictures of the Rockies owner why this deal was pulled off. What is going on? Colorado is going crazy right now. That's... That's very interesting, um, the way that they're responding to this. Wow. You know, the way that you have a player, Nolan Arenado, a Hall of Fame type third baseman, and he gets unhappy with the organization of the GM, and based on the owner's comments, why did he not fire the general manager when Arenado was not happy and try to build around him from there? 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. Dick Monfort also says, in hindsight, losing uh, DJ LeMahieu was a big deal. Wish we could have redone that one as well. So maybe your general manager is a little in over his head. Maybe your general manager shouldn't be a general manager. Maybe you should be the assistant to the general manager. There you go. Something like that could work out. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. All right, our entire first hour was spent exclusively on Nolan Arenado. I think Alex is getting a little bit of the shakes over here. We'll get into some blues. Quick hitters coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. 
Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. All right. Alex has been bugging me all day. He's like, listen, I get it. This Arenado thing, it's a big deal. But can we talk about the Blues? They do have a game tonight. You'll hear it right here on 101 ESPN pregame coverage. What? Beginning Debo? at six o'clock. So needy. And so let's get into it. Let's get into the Blues. We haven't been able to talk about them much. They have a winning streak right now. They actually won the second game of the two game series, a back to back this time around. Alex, let's start out with Jordan Cairo because wow, 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 wow. What a weekend he had. Saturday night was incredible. Is it officially time to say like, this is just what we should expect from Jordan Cairo moving forward the rest of this season? Absolutely. And look, we talked last week and we talked with Curbs about it of, you know, making sure that you're kind of staying grounded with a guy like Jordan Cairo. The part that gets me is everything about his game shows signs of not taking a step back. The only thing that would halt Jordan Cairo is too much confidence on the ice where he feels like, hey, this game's easy to him, you know, take a step back, take it easy. But I don't see that happening with Craig Berube as his head coach or Steve Ott as the assistant coach. Jordan Cairo is playing the game the way that he has to in this Blues organization. And I mean, frankly, he's not just dazzling with his defensive plays. He's showing that he's a pure goal scorer. And I heard Joe Buck reference this with Carriker and Smallman yesterday. He said it's been a while since the Blues have had somebody who can just skate through defensemen and put a puck top shelf and pick the spot where he's going with it. And he's right. Go look at Jordan Cairo's two goals against John Gibson the other night. I mean, he picked the pocket of the defenseman twice and then scored that goal. Look at what he did with Alex Petrangelo. He outmuscled him against Vegas and went top shelf on Robin Leonard. He's doing what he needs to do right now. So, yes, people should be excited about this and people should be buying into what Jordan Cairo is presenting to the Blues because, in my opinion, this isn't just a flash in the pan. This is a guy who's finally understanding how he needs to play to stay in the NHL. Yeah, his speed makes such a big difference for this Blues team. He just gets the puck and he can just fly down the ice. I know I said last week All right, here we go. that he's a, as good a goal scorer as Vladdy. He does it in a different manner, though. <laughs> No, there was no buzzer. Uh, he does it in a different manner. He uses his speed and is able to just get down into the offensive zone and then use a shot. Vladdy's more stronger on the puck, doesn't have the speed, and then has the sniper of a shot. There, I get it. They're two different entities. Maybe I jumped the gun on the Cairo thing, but I, he's playing fantastic, using his speed, getting down the ice, and his line mates are helping him a ton, too. It's not just that he's getting chances. It's the high danger chances that he's getting. Like Everything that he gets seemingly is like, wow, how did he get that open? He's always open on the ice. He finds a way to get himself open. He has 11 high danger chances on the season. 11. Next best on the Blues this season is Braden Shin with seven. This is surprising. Sanford's actually third with five. Kairou basically has the same number of high danger chances as Shin and Sanford, who are the next two highest on the Blues combined. They have 12 combined. Kairou has 11 on the season. You know why? It's because of the line mates that they have. I mean, look at Sanford. The two guys on his line, people have to watch for O'Reilly and Perron. Perron's one-timer and O'Reilly's stick skills create opportunities for Sanford. Now you got to convert on it. That's the biggest thing with Cairo. I mean, that is a triple threat right now. It's the same thing that teams dealt with when Tarasenko was on the ice. Do you watch Tarasenko? Because if you do guess what, you got to deal with Schwartz and Shen. People get so frustrated when Schwartz isn't putting the numbers up, 
but that's because he's doing everything else and he's getting highly guarded by these defensemen. So that opens up opportunities for his line mates where Shannon and Cairo slash Tarasenko are finding the back of the net. So let's go to the next thing as we go through some blues quick hitters here on 101 ESPN. Is it officially time to talk about Justin Falk becoming the player that the blues sold him as a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And this, this is what we've always talked about in the off season of Justin Falk just needs to feel that comfort with the blues. And now he finally does. I was talking yesterday with you about this BK. So right now he's the, the leader in plus minus. And I know plus minus is a joke for a lot of people, but for for Justin Falk, the plus minus is important because he doesn't play on the power play. He's on the penalty kill. Usually guys that plus minus numbers are fluctuated are guys that spend a lot of time on the power play because that's how you boost your numbers. Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, guys who are scoring goals and getting points on good power plays raise their plus minus. Justin Falk has been five on five exclusively this season and the penalty kill. And the number that stuck out to me last season, he had 24 of 69 games where he was on the ice and finished the game as a minus player, meaning more goals were scored when he was on the ice than the blue scored goals when he was on the ice this season. He has one game where he's been a minus player. Otherwise he's been even or a plus. Hmm. Which is impressive because, again, that's five-on-five five numbers and in power play are penalty kill numbers. So Justin Falk is doing exactly what this Blues team needs, and he's not being a liability on the ice, which, in my opinion, is the biggest reason why people should be getting excited about Justin Falk's play. He's also offensively just creating for them. Like, for, forget the goals, forget the assists, forget the points numbers. Just, like, if you're watching this game as a Blues fan and you're you're somebody that hasn't what you've been in a uh, you've been out in outer space for the last five years and you come back down to earth and you're suddenly watching a blues game for the first time. He looks like one of the best players on the ice consistently. Like you would watch the blues right now and you'd say, okay, the, the best guys that I've seen out there, Justin Falk, Jordan Bennington, Jordan Cairo and Braden Shin. Yeah. Those, those are the guys that so far this season have been the blues best players. That doesn't mean they will continue to be, but so far this season, for me, they've been the top four or five guys on the roster this year. Yeah, I I agree. Top four player. I think he's played defensively. I understand that there was the mindset coming into this coming into this season that he was not very good defensively last season and he had room to improve. I think he's kind of shut that down, and I thought he shut it down early in the season. I I jumped on that about the third game. I said I feel like he looks better. Uh, looking at he's third in the National Hockey League in defensive point share. Wow. And then I th- uh, he leads the team in hits. He's mm-hmm. been physical, and I think he's second among Blues defensemen in shots blocked. I think he's, like, top five. So, I mean, he's doing everything like you mentioned on the ice. Yeah, He's second in the league in plus-minus this year. Well, in all of hockey, second in the league at a plus-11 on the season. It just changed. Well, it changed because he was off, basically. And other teams played last night. It's going to fluctuate. By the way, people are saying special teams doesn't affect plus or minus. It does, but it's specific categories. If he's on the ice and his team gives up a short— or if, he, if his team scores a shorthanded goal— on a penalty kill, he gets a plus. If they give up a power play goal, he doesn't get a minus. So it affects the special teams, but it doesn't affect the special teams all the time. But gotcha. again, you take that into consideration when a guy who plays on the penalty kill 
and a guy who plays at even strength as much as he's doing. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's 12:15. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Blues versus Coyotes tonight. Pre-game coverage beginning at six o'clock right here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. We'll talk with former Blues assistant GM, now Coyotes general manager Bill Armstrong, coming up at 1:15. Coming up next, six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. Let's play a game of bet it or forget it right here on 101 ESPN. ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for bet it or forget it. Let's start with a couple of Nolan Arenado questions because why not? By the way, coming up in just about fifteen minutes or so, former Major League Baseball manager Jim Leland uh, will be joining the show. He managed Nolan Arenado in the twenty seventeen World Baseball Classic. So Jim Leland coming up here in just about fifteen minutes or so. Let's start with this, Alex. Bet it or forget it. Nolan Arenado will hit more homers in this upcoming season than Paul Goldschmidt. Better to forget it, Nolan Arenado, more homers this year than Paul Goldschmidt. Boy, that's a tough one because both are gonna both are gonna have to be pitched to depending on the guys around them. But however, this batting order is set up. If Arenado's the three hole and Goldschmidt's the cleanup, I'm gonna say forget it. Just because he's on a new team. Got the pressure surrounding it. I think Goldschmidt's going to hit more than him this year, but overall in their career, I think Arenado will hit more than Goldschmidt as a Cardinal. I'm forgetting it as well. Uh, part of the reason, too, is because he's a fly ball hitter, and it's going to take just a little bit of time to adjust to not having that high altitude, that thin air in Colorado. So I'll say he's not far behind Goldie. I'll say forget it. I'm going to bet it. If you look at the power production numbers... Arenado's actually been a little better than Paul Goldschmidt in his career. Now, Goldie has a much better on-base percentage. If you're looking at just career on-base, Goldie's right around 400 in terms of his on-base percentage. No no one Arenado is closer to 350. So that's where the biggest difference is between the two. But career slugging percentage, Nolan Arenado is unbelievable in that. So I'm going to go with Nolan Arenado. I think if I set the over-under, what do you think it is? Around 35 for Arenado going into next year for the Cardinals? 35 for Arenado. Does that sound about right in terms of the over-under number? Of high. I'd put it under. I'd put it at 30. Yeah. But thir- I mean, I-, I think 35 is a good over-under to put it at because of his history of hitting home runs. Because the because la- Goldschmidt's only hit over 35 twice in his career. Yeah. He, he is consistently around 30, 25 to 30, but he rarely goes much over that. Yeah. He had 36 in 2017 and 36 in 2013. I think the ceiling for Nolan Arenado in terms of the home run production is a little higher, but you're right. I mean, some of that certainly as much as I don't want to put too much stock into the Coors splits, there's something to be said about the fact that he hits a lot more homers there. So from his splits on road games, if you took, I think it's the last four seasons, and it kind of translated to 600 at-bats, he would hit around 36 home runs a season. If you're just using his away splits, yeah, taking out the home So games. about 35 yeah. is kind of where that over-under should be. I think that's where I would put it. I would take Nolan Arenado on that one. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for bet it or forget it. Guys, bet it or forget it from the 314 the Cardinals will have at least three gold glove winners in 2021. 
at least three gold glove winners in this upcoming season. I'll bet that because we already know two of them in Arenado and Goldschmidt. I think this might be the year that Harrison Bader gets a gold glove. Uh, he's kind of flown under the radar. He's been close in the past, but he's never won it. I don't think Tyler O'Neill is going to get another I don't one. Think he's going to have the playing time this year. You think Bader? Maybe the question that I have about him is the same. Is he going to be able to play enough to be able to really qualify? I just wonder if, if now with Arenado, it protects him a little bit in this batting order to where they allow him to play. Um, the other one I think is if Yachty's back, Yachty's going to get one more. I think I'm going to take the under. I think Paul DeYoung could be a candidate for it, but now... When you have Francisco Lindor coming over to the National League, I think that changes some things for him. So I would probably take two. I think Goldschmidt and Arenado will get one, and I think those might be the only two. That is not to take away from what they are defensively. I just think they're going to end up with two this year. I'm going to forget it as well. I think it's just going to be really hard for three guys on the same team to win a gold glove. I do believe Bader's a candidate. I could see DeYoung being a candidate. Yachty, I could see being a candidate. But yeah, the only two I see would be your corners and Goldie and Arenado. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line for bet it or forget it. Guys, bet it or forget it. Nolan Arenado will win at least one MVP with the Cardinals before his tenure is up here in St. Louis. I bet it. I bet it. I, I think it's going to be the first couple of seasons as well. I don't know if that first one, but I'm thinking of that second season. Yeah, I'm betting it. I, I don't. I don't need to explain myself. Nolan Arenado is going to win it. Oh man, I'm going to. You're such a hater, Tanner. You such are. a hater. MVP is such a hard award to win, and there are there's some real good there's really good talent here in the National Absolutely. League. Mookie Betts. Francisco Lindor's now here. Cody Bellinger's won an MVP, and he's out in L.A. Tatis is there. I'm going to forget it. I don't think he's going to be able to do it. I, I hope he does. I hope I'm wrong. And let we can me play know, this audio later. Let me later. know when you want me to uh, buy a jersey of Tatis for you so you can wear it around here. No. So I'm going to go ahead and forget it as well oh for what God. it's worth. Uh, he finished eighth in the MVP voting in 2015. Since then, fifth, fourth, third, sixth. If you told me over under two and a half top five, finishes in the MVP voting over the next seven years that I might consider. I might say, okay, you, you could potentially have the over there in terms of top five finishes in the MVP. Tanner's right. Actually on this one, it is going to be really tough for him to actually be able to win one here in the national league. There's just so much talent now in the East and in the West from the six, three, six Ferrario bets, everything I legitimately forgot the first one of Arenado hitting more home runs than Paul Goldschmidt. Come on now. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. Better to forget it, guys. Tom Brady will be playing at least two more seasons after this year. Did you see his comments yesterday? He said he thinks he might want to play until he's 45 now. Why wouldn't you? So better to forget it. Tom Brady's going to be playing for at least two more seasons. So the 2022 season, he will be playing. This one's the easiest one so far. Oh, bet it. He's going to play until he's 45. I mean, come on. You're going to bet it too, BK. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you the leader of his fan club? He is. He's wearing his t-shirt. <laughs> it's a hoodie. Sorry. Look, well, apparently Ferrario says bet it on everything. So I'm going to forget it. I'm actually going to bet this one. If you're Tom Brady, you've made the deal with, with some type of, of devil, God. I don't know what you've done but you're 43 and you're still going to the Super Bowl. He's going to be here until legitimately some part of his body breaks on the field where he cannot perform anymore or Giselle breaks it for him. That's the thing that I think we need to keep in mind. He is not the breadwinner in his family. He is not the one that makes the most money in his family. But he's still bringing in a lot. 
he'll continue to bring in a lot even after he's retired. No, uh, he's, he goes he goes away once he retires. I think Tom Brady's going to be done after next year. I think that's going to be the final season for Tom Brady. He has one more year left on his deal. This has been a unbelievable storyline this year. I can't believe he's still here. I, ca- I can't believe that he is actually going to be playing in the Super Bowl again on Sunday. It's baffling to me. That being said, I think eventually Giselle says, Tom, we, we, you, you've, been to, you've been to 10 of these things. You're, you're going to be 45 years old. I think it's time to go ahead and hang it up. And I think he's going to go ahead and retire after next season at the end of that contract. I think he'll prove at that point. He's proven enough since leaving uh, New England. Did you see the comments from Danny Amendola yesterday? Yeah. Someone's oh a little sour. I think he's right. You do? I, yes. If you if you missed the comments, Danny Amendola basically came out and said the Patriots way is actually the Tom Brady way. If you look up the Patriots way in the dictionary, you would see a picture of Tom Brady because he's the one that makes it work. I agree. How many times have we seen the quote unquote Patriot way go elsewhere and completely fail? We just saw it this year in New England. It's not that it failed, but it certainly wasn't to the same success level that we had seen in the past, even with last year, Tom Brady. But those are coaches that are trying to go somewhere else and be Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick still gets that defense at its perfection in those Super Bowl games. I forgot what the stat was, but the number, the amount of points that they've given up games. Yeah, it's amazing. Is truly impressive. I think it's, it doesn't have to be an or situation. And I heard that on get up. This is an and situation, not an or situation. Bill Belichick can still be one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach in the history of the sport. And also the way that he builds his team is completely reliant upon Tom Brady being his quarterback. Those two things can coexist together, Mm -hmm. right? And if you don't have Tom Brady, the greatest to ever do it at that position as your quarterback, then the way that he builds a roster does not work. And so I think that we're seeing that right now. It's a fundamentally flawed way of building a roster if you don't have him. And that's why I do actually agree. I think Tom Brady was the Patriot way. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, former major league manager and World Baseball Classic manager Jim Leland's going to join the show. He managed Nolan Arenado in the 2017 World Baseball Classic. What kind of a player can Cardinals fans expect? What kind of a person can Cardinals fans expect from Arenado once he officially is introduced? We'll talk about that with Jim Leland coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Thrilled to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Former Major League Manager, one-time World Series champion, three-time pennant winner, and three-time manager of the year. Jim Leland joining us here on the show. Jim, we always appreciate the time. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fine. How are you guys? Doing very well. Doing even better now that we officially have a new third baseman here in St. Louis. Jim, you spent some time with Nolan Arenado during the 2017 World Baseball Classic. He was your third baseman. What can you tell us about Nolan as a person, as a player? What was it like to be with him in 2017? Well, he was great. Uh, he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. He's a, he's a great guy, and I, I, I love him as a player uh, as well, obviously, because he's a He's a two-way player, and he, he's a great player because he, he's a, as good a defensive player as he is an offensive player. So, you know, the more two-way players you get, particularly in the National League, better off you are. So 
this guy is, uh, he's what it's all about. He's a great guy. He's going to, you know, hopefully we're going to get fans back in the stands soon because uh, the fans in St. Louis are really going to appreciate this guy and the feeling's going to be mutual. He's going to love it there. Jim, uh, we've heard an awful lot of um, uh, the, about the work ethic of Nolan Arenado. I'm just curious because you saw the perspective of him in a clubhouse. What does that do for a team with other players when you got a guy like Nolan Arenado in there? Well, you know, he's a presence. You know, I, I'm not so much about the clubhouse like everybody else is. They talk about it. Usually a good clubhouse is a winning team and a bad clubhouse is a lousy team. You know? <laughs> but, but uh, you know, he's a, he's one of those guys that when he walks in, there's a presence about him. Uh, he's not a loud guy. You know, he's going to lead more by example than he is the rah-rah stuff, I believe. Uh, but when they see the way he works at his skills, both offensively and defensively, uh, they're going to be impressed. So, I mean, he'd be a nice guy to follow around. And, uh, you know, I don't think you can expect him to hit exactly like he did in Colorado maybe, but he's an outstanding hitter with power, and he's a great third baseman. And, and like I said, he's a great human being. So this is a this is a good match with, in my opinion, probably the best baseball town in the country. Jim, I am curious because you kind of mentioned the Coors splits there. We've seen Matt Holliday translated well here in St. Louis. We saw it with Larry Walker back in the day as well. How much concern should there be about that? Do you, do you think there's there's much ado about nothing there? How much should Cardinals fans worry about his his skills, his numbers translating to St. Louis? Well, I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think it's anything to worry about because he's still going to have he's going to still have very very good numbers. Uh, but it is a little bit different hitting in Colorado. There's no question about that. And uh, I'm sure Nolan would probably tell you that himself. But, you know, he's a great hitter. He's a great offensive player. He's got big power. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to fit in perfect. And he's a guy that he's a manager's dream because you go home at night and you know that your third baseman tomorrow is Nolan Arenado. You go home the next night and you know your third baseman is Nolan Arenado. I think all the good teams – they have players, most of the really good teams have players that play every day at a position. I know one of the trends in baseball now, everybody loves this versatility. And, and I, I understand that to a point, but the teams that are really good, they have a guy that's settled in at a position pretty much every single day. And those, to me, are the best teams. That was going to be my next question, Jim. How much easier does that make a job for a guy like Mike Schilt? Now, not just with Nolan Arenado, but on the other side, another guy who you're familiar with is Paul Goldschmidt at first base. Well, you know, there's just they're just two outstanding players. I mean, I mean, you talk about, you know, they always used to talk about power on the corners and, and things of this. And I'll tell you, in my personal opinion, uh, first base is a very underrated defensive position. And I, I always wanted a good defensive first baseman, and you have that in Goldsmith, and then you have a gold glover at third in, in uh, Arenado. So you're going to have power on the corners. You're going to have great defense on the corners. Uh, I mean, that's that's a treat for any manager, and I'm, I'm sure Mike's going to be very happy with that. World Series champion, three-time MLB manager of the year, Jim Leland, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Jim, I did want to ask you because, I mean, you've worked for a number of different teams. The Cardinals now, the ownership group, has has shown a commitment to winning with this kind of an investment. It's almost $200 million that they're going to be handing to Nolan Arenado over the next few years, and he's earned that. But how significant is that as a manager, as a GM, somebody that's in the baseball front office? How significant is it to know that your ownership has that kind of a commitment to the winning side of things? Well, I think if you look at the St. Louis Cardinals, they've always been a team that they pretty much go for it. They're pretty consistent every year. 
with uh, with an outstanding team. They're normally in the playoff hunt, even the years that they don't make it. It's very rare that the Cardinals aren't talked about at some point during the season as far as being a team that's going to go to postseason, maybe win the division, obviously. Uh, you know, they've, they've just got great tradition there. They've had great teams there. And, uh, you know, I, I know uh, Bill DeWitt because I worked for the Cardinals for six years. So, you know, they're, they're committed to it. They know what they have. They, they just have a jewel there in St. Louis with that, with that, that fan base that they have there. And uh, they know that. And, uh, you know, they do a good job of making them happy. So it, it's, it's really, like I said, I, I think it's the best baseball town in the country. So I think the Cardinal front office ownership and everything has proven that. And in most years, the players prove that because they're normally in the hunt. Speaking of jewels for St. Louis, Jim, there's two of them that uh, all fans are expecting to be back, and that's Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. Not to bring up bad memories, but you remember this back in 2006 playing against these guys. Are you surprised that these two still have that commitment to going out there and performing on the field for the Cardinals? No, not at all. They're both they're both similar to Arenado. They both work hard at the, at the trade. Uh, obviously, they're very talented, but they work very, very hard. They're very proud players. They're very good guys. They represent the Cardinals as well as you could be represented by anybody. So, uh, you know, that's just, a, you know, at some point it's going to come to an end, like all that stuff does. But, uh, you know, hopefully they're going to have both of them this year. And, uh, you know, that's good news for the Cardinal fans. Jim, Tony LaRusa, the guy that was on the other side of that 06 uh, World Series as well, he's back on the managerial side of things again. Are you surprised that he decided a decade later to get back into the game? No, not really. No, not really. He's he, he's really had the fire. He you know he worked for a couple of different clubs. He worked out of the commissioner's office, but you know he was up in the up in the booths a lot, and you know the boxes up there, and it just it it just didn't set well with him. He just is one of those guys that he wants to be involved in the action. He had a tough time being away from it, and uh, I think it's great. I I think it's absolutely great. He's going to be. I talk to him almost every day, so. He's going to be more than prepared. He's got a really good young Chicago team over there. I think they'll do very well. You think he's going to be successful out there in Chicago? Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. You know, <laughs> if those players are committed to winning over there, they they definitely have the right manager. There's no question about that. I think that you know the proof's in the record, and, and uh, I don't I don't think there's any question about that. Former Major League Manager Jim Leland joining us here on 101 ESPN. Last question that I've got for you, Jim. You mentioned a few times that you think St. Louis may be the best, probably the best baseball city in America. Do you have any favorite memories of spending time here in St. Louis, whether it be as a manager or working for the Cardinals? What what are some of your lasting memories of being around St. Louis and, and some of the baseball memories that you had here? Well, I have a lot of memories, but I have I have two that that stick out, and one was really good, and one was really bad. So, uh, you know, we we clinched our first division title in St. Louis when I managed the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, we were pretty bad and took over there, and it took us about four or five years, and and we finally clinched on a Sunday afternoon in St. Louis, and that's one of my most memorable moments in baseball. So that was a great moment, and then of course, the tough moment was in 2006 when we lost to the Cardinals. And, you know, we had beaten them. We swept them during the season. We played them that year and beat them three straight. And, you know, we went into the World Series and, and uh, their, their record, they didn't have a great record that year, but they got hot at the right time. And, uh, you know, they just had a quality bunch of guys that I knew because I was there the year before working with them. So, uh, you know, it, it didn't surprise me. But, uh, you know, that was kind of a tough moment. But I, I have all the respect in the world for St. Louis and their fans and their organization and, 
I got to know Gibson and Brock and Shane Deese and all those guys that always treated me so wonderful, and, and I'll never forget it. So St. Louis is a, is a fond, fond memory for me. Last thing, Jim, before we let you go here, uh, we've been talking to a lot of different people over the last few days, and some of them have kind of stacked up Nolan Arenado with where he ranks defensively as a third baseman. You've been around this game for a long time. Uh, compared to some of the other guys that you've seen in your time around Major League Baseball, how how does Nolan Arenado stack up defensively at third base? Well, he's, you know, I mean, he's right at the head of the class. I mean, there may be some just as good if I really took time to think about it, but I don't think you're going to, uh, I can't remember anybody better. I can tell you that. And, you know, I didn't really see him as much, uh, you know, he was in Colorado and I was back in Detroit. So I didn't really see him play all that much uh, to be honest with you. And then I had him in a world baseball classic, but I've seen him enough to know that uh, he gets off the ball really good. He's got a really strong accurate arm. He's, he's, he's just a great player. And, the thing I like most is he's a great two-way player. You know, sometimes you can get a guy that's really a good hitter but a little short on defense or vice versa. But this guy's the entire package. You know, the only thing, he's not going to steal bases. But, uh, you know, this this guy's a total package. He's Jim Leland, former Major League Baseball manager, World Series champion. Always appreciate him joining us here on the show. Jim, all the best to you and the family. We look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Absolutely. That is Jim Leland, former major league manager, joining us here on 101 ESPN. I think what he said about the best teams are the ones that have a great player at a specific position every day. Yep. Man, that encapsulated so much of what we have talked about for the Cardinals for so long. That's been part of the issue. Like you look at it and you're like, it's kind of, you remember a few years ago how we called them kind of the Island of misfit toys. It Mm -hmm. felt like they had second baseman playing at third base. They had three hole hit or like six hole hitters that were batting third. Matt Adams was playing left field. Colton Wong's playing center field. It just didn't fit. It it just felt like for whatever reason, they, they couldn't find the right pieces to really go together. It fits now. We can discuss how good it is. We can discuss where this team ranks among the best in the league. All of those different things are fair conversations to have. But suddenly you look around and you're like, okay, Tommy Edmond makes sense as a second baseman. That's probably his best defensive position. You look out in the outfield, and yes, there are too many of them out there and too many questions that you uh, compared to what you would like, but they all make sense out there. They're all legitimate outfielders instead of Matt Adams patrolling left field. It all starting to actually make sense for the Cardinals. And that was a big piece of this. Instead of having that carpenter who might not fit out there at third base anymore every day. Now you've got a bonafide star playing at third and at first going into next. Yeah, season. I mean, for the first time, and I'd have to go back and look at it, but it feels like for the first time since 2016, maybe this team actually has bonafide starters in every position in the infield. And look, the outfield's interchangeable, but all three of those you know, players that are the positions you expect those guys to be able to hold on the fort. But for the first time in five or six years, you finally have a third baseman that you can count on, a shortstop, a second baseman, a first baseman, and a catcher, which they haven't had in a long time. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. Guys, the Dodgers don't play a consistent lineup, and they seem to have done all right. They don't, but they have guys that are in the lineup every day. They have, they have a guy like Mookie Betts that you know. 
He's going to be out there every single day. Yeah, they got guys like Max Muncy who can play wherever he needs to be. Cody Bellinger, it's the same guys. Yeah, and and they're going to be in that lineup every single day, batting in the same spot every single day. Maybe they won't be playing the same specific position defensively, but they're going to be out there every day, regardless of who's going up on the opposition. That has not always been the case for the Cardinals, so I I do like the way that he put that. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, We will dive into where the Cardinals rank in the National League Central because some of these projections have me very confused over the last 24 hours. But coming up next, we're going to dive into the junk drawer right here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. junk drawer all right so if you were paying attention to the fast lane yesterday they made an announcement that made me very sad they said two chiefs players are going on the covid list is it patrick mahomes nope it's a backup center and a number three ish wide receiver demarcus robinson both of whom are now on the covid list but it is not because they had a positive test it's because they had a close contact there's some question all right what are you doing to get a close contact Somebody that has COVID the week of the Super Bowl, right? Lou Will's lemon pepper wings. Well, there has been some reporting that has been done on this. Oh, no, I was joking. According to Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, Tyreek Hill told reporters on Monday that the Chiefs are taking major precautions with COVID this week. That includes having their barbers tested for COVID to do haircuts at the team facility. So they are bringing in guys cut these players hairs. Yeah. During this week prior to the Super Bowl. That's really smart. There was one barber that was doing this. He tested negative for five straight days. The team found out mid-cut with their backup center, Daniel Kilgore, that the barber had tested positive. Oh, man. So how did these guys end up on the COVID list? Because their barber, who was literally coming into the facility, they took every precaution they possibly could tested positive for the virus after giving these two guys haircuts. Here's my follow-up question. If you're at a place right now listening and you have an opportunity to look up a gentleman by the name Daniel Kilgore, get backup center for the Chiefs. Why does this guy need a haircut the week of the Super Bowl? Oh, please tell me he's bald. Why do any of these players need a haircut the week of the Super Bowl? Well, I'll tell you why. He doesn't need a haircut. He needs a nice beard trim. Oh, he's got to get that beard lined up right. Come on now, BK. You got to make sure that you're styling and ready to go for Super Bowl week. The dude has the same color hair as Jamie Rivers. Okay, that's inappropriate to Jamie. He's a silver fox. He is a silver fox. Jamie Rivers. I don't know Daniel Kilgore. but Daniel Kilgore, also a silver fox. Look at this. Ferrario, here. Here's a picture for you. That's Daniel Kilgore. Look at that hair. Yeah, that hair is rough. But look at the beard. Look at the beard, though, BK. That beard is lined up as perfect as it can be. You can do with that at home, can't you? No, you can't, because I've tried it, and what happens is you get a big patch in the middle of your beard, and then it's game over, and you got to shave it. And hey, maybe Daniel Kilgore's doing some videos for Super Bowl weekend. I can assure you he's not. It's five days. Maybe he's an (laughs) RBI machine. Um, It's five days before the Super Bowl. You don't need to get your beard lined up this week. But I get it lined up the Monday after. I feel so bad. Well, no, who cares then? Then you shave it off the Monday after Super Bowl. By the way, Patrick Mahomes better not be getting his haircut this week. Well, his and his beard doesn't look that great. So you kind of leave it as is. You feel bad for the Chiefs, though, because like they did everything right. 
Like, they had one barber who was with the team. I'm imagining this barber kept himself quarantined because he mm. knows he's with the team. And he had five negative tests to lead up to that. Yeah. Like, that sucks because I know the Cardinals. The Cardinals have a personal barber as well that's there for every single game. So, like, what are you supposed to do? Not get your hair cut? Come on. Come on. Yes. No. That's exactly what you're no. supposed to do. No. Like, of, of all times to need, in the worst possible way, to need a haircut, get it next Monday. Just wait literally six days from, from now. From the 314, is, uh, is the barber a Brady fan? That's good a question. great point. It's a good question. We've seen Brady take it to great lengths to find a way to win in the past. You know, play the balls, play off beard. Literally just, spying on teams. Just release a COVID guy into times. the locker room. If I knew I was going to the Super Bowl, just as a fan, I would avoid getting my hair cut. So I Hell wouldn't just yeah. pause and go, I can't even imagine if I'm playing. I would literally like wrap myself in like no. bubble wrap, put on. It's a I would beard. Put on, come it's on. a barber. Who cares? Come on. It's you a barber. You could go without it. You're playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you got to look good. I don't know what the plan is this week with Patrick Mahomes, but please do not allow that man. <laughs> To go anywhere. No, he is wrapped in bubble he, wrap right now somewhere. He needs to stay away from his wife. He needs to stay away from the team. Every meeting should be done virtually for him. He should be like his conditioning this week. Just allow him to run around the streets wherever he lives. Look for if, for an hour a day. Look, guys, if you don't get a if you don't get a barber, you turn out and look like me with this straggly beard. You can't have that. Well, you got to make boy. yourself speaking of looking good. This person didn't look so good last night. So this was at the Lakers and the Hawks game. And BK, for the first time, I think I'm going to support your boy LeBron James. Oh, what a turn of events. So last night, if you haven't seen it, there was a couple that was sitting courtside because NBA, they're letting fans in the buildings. Now the masks are mandated. This female and her husband decided to start talking trash to LeBron James. Mm -hmm. And from the reported conversation, it was the female's husband that started yelling at LeBron James, cussing him out and destroying him. I guess thinking he was chirping LeBron, but look, when you're dropping F-bombs, it's not chirping. LeBron was firing back because look, if you're going to chirp me, I'm going to chirp you. That's how this works. Exactly. And when LeBron fired back, the female, the wife, stood up, took her mask off and verbatim said, I will blanking kill you if you blanking talk to my husband blank again. And of course, what that results in security coming over. Now, people are talking, should he have been or should they have been kicked out? Should they not have been kicked out? Look, I'm all for chirping athletes, right? It's a fan's thing. Yeah, you got to get up out of there. But when you threaten the athlete and say you will blanking kill him, and when you take the mask off on your courtside and start walking towards the player, guess what? You're going to be kicked out. And by the way, this woman, she like posted a video of her complaining about being kicked out. Ultimate Karen. Ultimate Karen. Oh, yeah. Like total Karen. Like she had the, she had the like fix it, do it kit from Ikea to become Karen at a basketball starter kit the starter kit it it was incredible but yeah so basically you threaten lebron james's life and wondering why you're kicked out makes sense i'm very surprised that you have once and for all taken the lebron james is the greatest basketball player of all time stance but i'm glad to hear it that's alex ferrario he's tanner hendrickson i'm brandon kiley coming up next what are we missing on these cardinals projections 80 win team really really that's what we're looking at here tanner's gonna try to defend it we'll talk about it next on 101 espn this is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
am I missing? I, I'm officially confused. Fangraphs currently has the Cardinals winning the NL Central. They have them doing so at an 82 and 80 record this upcoming season. The Brewers are right now listed at an 80 win team. Both the Cubs and the Reds are listed at 76. Then I go over to the athletic this morning and they had a piece that basically said, Hey, are the Cardinals now the favorite to win the NL central? Nope, not on the athletic. According to them, based on their numbers, the Brewers are still the favorite at just over 80 wins projected. The Cardinals right behind them, just under 80 wins. Alex Tanner, Audience at 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. I beg of you, can you please explain to me how the roster that I am currently looking at, which includes Yadier Molina, Paul Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmond, Paul DeYoung, Nolan Arenado with the outfield uh, that includes Dylan Carlson and Harrison Bader playing most days. And one of, if not the deepest pitching staffs in all of baseball. In what world is that an 80-win roster? In what world is this one of the worst Cardinals teams that we've seen in the last 30 years? That doesn't make sense to me. Please, please, please help me understand it. I'm not even... I mean, yes, the 80 wins is frustrating in itself, but I'm more amazed that they're picking the Milwaukee Brewers to be the better team than the Cardinals. I'm looking at this roster right now for Milwaukee guys. I can't tell you one player that would comp to a one-two punch of Goldschmidt and Arenado. We all know Christian Yelich is an incredible player. Name me another player on that roster that you would say is going to be a comp that the Cardinals have with a one-two punch of Goldschmidt Arenado. There's not one. No. Lorenzo Kane? No. I'm sorry. It's not. Not at this point. Great player? No way. Uh, Kirsten Hura? No. Not going to happen. So that impresses me more than anything. Now, the pitching, I'm not as in-depth with. Look, they have a great bullpen with Devin Williams and Josh Hader. They do have some young guys in the rotation that are going to be good. But again, an 80-win season for this Cardinals team, they were an 80-win season before they made the moves of Wainwright and Arenado. Maybe. The Cardinals have won fewer than 83 games once since 2000. Basically, since the new ownership group took uh, this century, this this century, the Cardinals have won fewer than 83 games once, and it was in 2007. You're telling me this is going to be the second worst Cardinals team of the last two decades? I just, I refuse to believe that. I don't see it with the roster as is currently constructed. That being said, Tanner over here. Has some questions. You're making this sound worse. Than he, he's been We're arguing with, with me all day, and I have somehow become the optimist on this Cardinals team, even though in the past I have been viewed as a pessimist by some. I really like what they currently have. I think this is a really good team. I think it's around a 90-win team. Tanner, please explain to me why you think that they stink and they're probably going to win fewer than 60 games next year. Again, this, <laughs> you did say that. The, the, no. no, you did say that in the, in the commercial break. You weren't even there when I was talking to him No, this the morning. commercial break, you just said they're no. probably a 50-win season. So the, oh, I think they are a 90-win team. I think they win the NL Central. I think they are the favorites to win the NL Central with the Arnado move. The only reason I could see them with the 80, well, 83 win projection. <laughs> 80 or 82. Those are the two that I've seen so far. But yeah. The only reason I would see that is because the projections must show that the Cardinals are going to get absolutely destroyed outside of the Central. But then when I think about it, and that's why this doesn't make sense to me, when I think about it, if the Cardinals in the projections would be getting destroyed from the NL East and NL West teams, shouldn't everybody else in the Central be being destroyed by them too? 
That's why I don't understand this 82, because I think the Cardinals are going to play six to 700 ball against the NL Central. And I know that maybe is a little too much, but the NL Central, there's not a lot there. I think the Cardinals pitching is the best in the Central. I think their lineup's the best in the Central. Going outside the Central, I don't, uh, still not 100% sure where I'd rank them. But, sure. But I don't understand how they can't, A, be the favorites in the NL Central. The only reason I think the win total would be low is if you see them losing a lot to the NL East and the NL West. But again, those numbers don't show it for the rest of the division. So I'm not quite sure why they're at 82. And from the 618, the rotation has too many question marks. I would imagine this is where the athletic and projections are putting the Cardinals because their rotation isn't what it would be with a healthy Dakota Hudson. But correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's the least of my concerns right now with this team. Why are people worried about this pitching staff? I have no idea. I mean, it can't be because of just Dakota Hudson being out because you're offsetting that with Miles Michaelis, who has been a very, very strong pitcher for this team. Maybe he's not a two pitcher in a rotation, but he's going to be at least a third starter in your rotation, which is awesome. KK was impressive last year. You have the depth now with Adam Wainwright. Jack Flaherty, I would imagine, is going to be taking another step. And then you get into all of the depth with a guy like Ponce de Leon and Martinez and Reyes and John Gant and Libator, who just had the best curveball in all of the prospect pool in the top 100 rating on Baseball America. So we can we can sit here and say that there's question marks, too many of them with this pitching rotation. But that offsets a little bit for me because you don't have to be as perfect as you were last season because of the acquisition of Nolan Arenado. Your offense is going to take that step forward. The offense is going to take the step forward, but if the rotation becomes a question mark, then the bullpen will eventually become a question mark. And the reason I say that is the more tax the bullpen becomes, the worse the bullpen will perform. So I think it is very important for the Cardinals rotation to have at least three guys step up and become a solidified innings eater. I have the same concerns as the text line. Is Flaherty going to bounce back? You know, I don't know what's way into last season because of the outbreak and all that. KK, I don't think he's going to be as good as last year. Now, I'm not saying he's going to fall apart. Michaelis, we don't know what he's going to be. Uh, that fifth spot is a big question mark. Who's going to win that job? And then who am I forgetting in the rotation? Wayno. Wayno. Thank Wayno? you. Wayno. Look, Wayno's numbers were great last year. I don't know if he does has that kind of performance in a full 162. Yeah. So I think I'm there's another question mark there, too. That's why I have some concerns for the rotation. And again, I have faith in the bullpen, but the more they are taxed, the harder it's going to be for them to perform at an elite level. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. To that point from the 636. Guys, who on this pitching staff has had a solid three-year track record? That is what we all wonder about. It should be good, but some of the concerns are legitimate. See, like, I I look at Miles Michaelis, and there is a question mark. This is an important disclaimer to the texter's point. I think Miles Michaelis is pretty much a known commodity if he is healthy. Don't know if he's healthy. I haven't seen him. But if he is healthy, I think I kind of know what Miles Michaelis is, and he's this really solid number three starter innings eater for you this season. I think I pretty much know what Jack Flaherty is. Is he what he was in the back end of the 2019 season? No, because that was literally Cy Young that we watched the back end of the 2019 season. It was Bob Gibson-esque. I don't think he's going to be that, but I think he's pretty damn good. He's not going to be what he was last year either. No. KK, I think I kind of know what you're going to get there. I think it's going to be pretty darn good. Is it going to be great? Maybe not. I don't think you can expect a 2-1 ERA or whatever he had last year. I think mid threes is pretty fair to expect from him. Maybe upper mid threes for him going into next year. Wayno, to your point, Tanner, I don't think he's going to be as good as he was last year. 
But he's going to be able to eat some pretty good innings he's for gonna you. He's going to be better than a five-hole starter in your rotation, Yeah, I don't I think. think he's any different than what most teams have yeah. going into next season at the back end of their rotation. And this that that's why I have so many questions about the these projections is just I I think that you're looking at a staff that is a little deeper than the projections are giving it credit for. And I think the projections have a really hard time with young pitchers adjusting for how many innings they're going to be able to get. Like I'm looking at the zips projections right now on fan graphs. They have Alex Reyes throwing 54 innings next year. I would be stunned if he throws just 54 innings going into next season. They have KK throwing 140 innings. That would be a massive disappointment for him in 2021. So I think they have a really hard time being able to judge and determine how these guys are going to be used. They also have a really low projection on Dylan Carlson. And I think maybe the differentiating factor here is what Carlson's going to be. I think he's going to have a really good year. I'm really confident that he's going to be a good player for the Cardinals in 2021. Meanwhile, on fan graphs, they're projecting a 240 hitter that hits 15 home runs and has a 740 OPS. That's kind of Tyler O'Neill-esque. That's not really helping you a ton if that's who he's going to be. I don't think that's what he is, though. I think more of what he what he saw at the end of last year is what we're going to see in the future from him. So that's maybe that's where my differentiating comes into. But man, 80, 82 wins. That's a joke. In my opinion, seems crazy to me. And you mentioned the young pitching. I was looking at the numbers last night. Guys that were 25 and younger made up 46% of the Cardinals innings last year, 4.5 ERA. I look at that and I go, Oh, well, that's a little concerning. But then I look at the other numbers, 218 batting average against 318 on base percentage against 412 slugging. Those are fantastic numbers. The underlying numbers are all there. They just happened to get a little unlucky with the batted ball. So I, I think that they're going to be fine. And for a lot of people, they would look at the young pitchers as a problem. I view that as a positive. They have room to grow still. Whereas older guys, you could potentially see some fall off. These guys should be on the upward trajectory with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. coming up next. The blues are about to start a nice series with the Arizona coyotes. Their general manager, Bill Armstrong is going to join us coming up on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Thrilled to be joined by the Arizona Coyotes general manager. He's Bill Armstrong joining us here on the show ahead of tonight's Blues versus Coyotes game. Bill, we sincerely appreciate the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. So let's kind of start out with the obvious. It's been a strange season. It's shortened. There are different scheduling tactics that they put into place. What's this year been like from your perspective? Well, it's uh, it's been it's been good in the sense that we're getting back to playing. Like you know, everybody wants to get back to normal life, and for for being a hockey player, normal is getting back and playing. You know, and we miss the fans and. Uh, that aspect of it, but just to be able to play and, and go out there and practice and actually get back to work, uh, it's been a great thing. Bill, uh, this is the first time I'm getting the chance to talk with you since the transition, so what's it been like yeah. going from assistant GM and being in charge of scouting with the Blues for as long as you were to now taking over with the Arizona Coyotes? Well, it's it's been a little bit of adjustment. There's a, there's certain little things that you, 
you know, that are new to you and it takes a little bit of time to pick up. But for the most part, um, I've done a lot of different jobs in hockey, you know, whether it be an assistant coach or head coach or scouting and, you know, and all and managing. So um, I've done a lot of the jobs which enable me to kind of sit in different, you know, different rooms in the, you know, in, in our team and, and be able to speak their language. So for me, it's, it's been probably the most comfortable job I've had in, in terms of uh, just being able to uh, to work in the different departments, and I've pretty much done every job, so it's been uh, it's been great. Bill, is the bigger difference for you? Is it the hockey side of things, or is it everything that's not relating to hockey that comes across your desk? Everything not relating to <laughs> hockey. You you have to battle just to get to the hockey stuff. <laughs> so so that that is uh, you know that is a battle, and, and not only that, we we've hired a lot of new people on the hockey ops side, so. You know, I, I didn't even realize I was a general manager because I was locked in the basement and the office is just hiring people. And, you know, so um, it was like I was a recruiter. But uh, uh, but now we're playing hockey and it, it feels good to be back in the rink and see the team play. Well, Bill, we're excited for this series tonight. Blues and Coyotes this series last year. It was so competitive. You know this from the Blues perspective. It felt like every game it was coming down to those last couple of minutes. A little bit of a slow start right now for the Arizona Coyotes. So, so what have you taken from this season so far for your side? Well, I think for us, you know, we've, we've been in there every game, uh, except one in, in Vegas. We weren't very good at, but uh, every other game we've been in. So we've got uh, some tweaking to do, and we've just got to create some more team offense. And, uh, you know, if we can do that, we're going to be a successful team moving forward. Um, but tonight playing the Blues, uh, the, you know, obviously they're, they're a good team. And uh, uh, it's the first time I've ever been in St. Louis and not excited about seeing Cairo <laughs> Thomas. So <laughs> Let's ask you about <laughs> Jordan Cairo. Or Bennington. You know. <laughs> pretty much everybody on this <laughs> roster that you scouted, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty much not excited about seeing those guys tonight. Bill, let's ask you about Kairou because there were some questions last year, especially from the outside looking in at, you know, is is this going to be able to click for Jordan Kairou? Well, it, it seems like it has officially clicked for him. Are you surprised at all to see the start that he's had this season? And what I don't know how much you've been able to watch of him, but if you have been able to see a little bit, what do you think is the biggest difference for him this season? Well, first off, I'm, I'm real happy for him. He's, he's put his time in. I think that one of the things that the Blues do a really good job of is creating a culture where it's not easy to play for the big club. you got to earn your stripes. you know. And he went up and down in the minors and had to play in the minors and in and out of the lineup. And, and so when they do get in there, they fight hard because they don't want to come out. They know what the other side is like. And, and I think the other thing, too, is he's had to – fix some of the parts of his game, you know, tighten up defensively and be a little bit more committed to playing defense. Uh, uh, But what he's really done is gone home in the, you know, in the break and really, you know, become stronger. And I think the biggest thing in his mind that he just really said, Hey, listen, I'm going to be a player. You know, you can see it out there. I just watched her morning skate and he's got confidence and he wants to prove to everybody he's the best player on the ice. You know, Bill, uh, Joe Vitale still references the conversation that you two had a couple of years ago talking about Nico Mikola, and he said you referenced to Mikola as like a dog on a bone when he sees that puck out there. And we've had some games now where we've watched Mikola, and he has just been impressive as a defensive player. Uh, when you scouted this guy and you were a part of the draft with this kid, did you see somebody who could take over that role maybe in a top-four defensive situation in the future? Well, our scouts uh, did a great job there over in Europe, uh, and they just kept raving about this guy, raving about this guy. So, you know, when we saw him, we're like, you know, yeah, no, there's something there. And, and then after you got to know 
you know, not only as a player, but as a person, he's an infectious person. He's just a great human being, but he's somebody that's a very determined player. You got to beat him off with a stick, you know, and he just keeps coming at you, coming at you. So I'm happy he's got his chance again. He's, he's paid his dues in the minors too. So, you know, he's, he's put a lot of time into developing and becoming a better player. So, and he's someone that's uh, going to be a defenseman for them for a long time. We're talking to Bill Armstrong, former Blues assistant GM, now the Arizona Coyotes head man as their general manager. The last young guy that I wanted to ask you about, Bill, is Robert Thomas. And we've seen the flashes once again this season. And he's, God, is he so talented, especially as a distributor with the puck. How do you think you get the most out of a guy like Robert Thomas? Is, is it about the line mates that are with him being able to have that ability to score from his past? Like what, what do you think it needs to happen for him to be able to get the most out of his talent with this club? Well, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, he, he shows you the flashes and I think everybody, you know, would, would, would want a little bit, uh, you know, more consistency out of him, but he's, he's, he's got tremendous talent and he's going to come. He's, he's a big player for them. And, uh, uh, he's, he's certainly going to be somebody that's exciting for the next few years, and if he can find that consistency, you know he'll be one of the one of their top guys. Which I won't be excited about seeing every time we play him. So. <laughs> Bill, I'm curious because you worked under Doug Armstrong for for a number of years and now sitting in the big chair for the Arizona Coyotes. You know, we in St. Louis just kind of gleam over the fact of how great Doug Armstrong has been in terms of cap management and making the right moves when need be. From your perspective now, is there a different appreciation for how good of a job Doug Armstrong has done in St. Louis? Um, You know, I got to work with him for a number of years and I always had great appreciation of him. I, I thought he's probably the best well-rounded GM in the game, you know, from managing the drafts to the pro side and his trades, but also with the salary cap, he's done an amazing job and he's, he's stocked the, the blues full of a lot of great players too. So uh, from his end, you know, he was amazing to work for. I learned a lot. I, I often probably think about him more now because I always think, Oh, how would he have been in this situation? You know? So, <laughs> you know, he's, he's passed on some really, some, you know, really important lessons for me. Uh, just to kind of being with him and being around him. So I was fortunate enough. And, and not only that, but I had Larry Plo around me and Dave Taylor. They're also part of the organization. So I was very, uh, very privileged to, to be around some great, great people. And Yarmo Kekleinen went on to be a GM with Columbus. So I, I'm very fortunate in my time with the Blues. I was around some great people. Last thing that I wanted to ask you, Bill, is Ryan O'Reilly, the new captain for the Blues this season. Not a surprise to anybody on the outside, but just from your time being with this organization, being able to watch him firsthand, what does he bring to that locker room with this new captaincy? Well, I, I think, you know, he's he's somebody that, you know, the, the year we won the cup here, he was, uh, he was, he was a huge part of it. So I think for him, he's, He's somebody that, uh, you know, he plays big in big moments, and, and I think he also sets the culture. He's, uh, he was tremendous when I was here. Uh, I think he was a game changer when he came in our locker room. So, Bill, my final one for you. Um, on the Arizona Coyote side, everyone in St. Louis always loves talking about your uh, your former seventh overall pick, Clayton Keller, the St. Louis kid. Uh, what have you yeah. seen from, from this guy? Is he kind of taking that step into an everyday NHL player and growing within the organization? Yeah, I mean he's he's obviously someone that drives the bus on, on our team here, and he continually gets better. You know, uh, Kells is, is is pretty young too, and he's accumulated a lot of NHL games, so he's he's a big piece of our offense. And when he's going, we're going. Um, so we're excited. Uh, last game was probably his best of the season, so he'll put on a, he'll be he'll be ready to play tonight in his hometown.
Bill, who should Blues fans be watching for tonight? Like, if I'm a Blues fan that hasn't been able to watch much Arizona Coyotes hockey this season, who who should I be keeping an eye out for? Well, I think you'd, you'd, you're, you're going to see our goaltender. He's been outstanding. Darcy Kemper, he's probably one of the best goaltenders in the league, and he's somebody that gives us a chance to win a game every single night. He's in the, in the net. He's a true professional and somebody that's on probably 99% of the time he's at his best. So um, he's one guy. I think Clayton Keller, obviously, we talked about Nick Schmoltz and Connor Garland, you know, our top line there. There's somebody that the Blues fans wouldn't be as familiar with, but um, they're, they're great players and they drive the bus on our team. Well, Bill, it is awesome to get the chance to catch up with you. And again, congratulations on the opportunity to be the general manager with the Arizona Coyotes. We're excited to uh, to see you grow over within that organization and continue the success. So thank you so much for taking some time this afternoon, and uh, we look forward to uh, dropping the puck later on tonight against you guys. You're got, you're great. Thank, thanks, guys, very much for having, having me on. Take care. That's Absolutely. awesome. Same to you. That is Bill Armstrong, former Blues assistant GM, now out with the Arizona Coyotes. You will be able to watch the Blues, hear the Blues against the Coyotes tonight. Pre-game coverage for that with Alex Ferrario coming up at 6 o'clock. Excited to see that game. This is one of those, Alex, it, there is no such thing as a must-win this early in the season. But the Blues should take care of most of these games against the Coyotes this year, right? Yes, but I'm hoping that they make it challenging on the Blues because otherwise I look like an idiot because I picked Arizona as being one of the toughest competitors for the Blues this season. B- Bill Armstrong's right. They have been competitive they've in most al- of their games. They've only but- allowed 20 or 22 goals, but the problem is they've only scored 20 goals this season. Yeah, and uh, these last two games were against Anaheim, and we, we saw what... Anaheim looks like (laughs) yeah look you do need to get it's not great I know what you're saying BK that they're not must wins but they kind of are like I mean early in the season I feel like you need to stockpile these points because if you think about the games that they missed out on you know that shootout loss to the San Jose Sharks the LA Kings game that they let in that's four points right there that would stack yourself up a little bit more so you got to get the job done. Arizona is not going to be an easy team because, like you mentioned, goaltending has been very good for the, the Coyotes this season. And on top of that, they have a lot of talent up front, Clayton Keller being one of those guys. So it is kind of like the Anaheim Ducks game where, look, they're at the bottom of the standings. You need to get the job done. But on the other side, you can't overlook this team and start planning for Colorado, which Craig Berube wouldn't do because Arizona will take four points away from you. And if that happens, you're in a world of hurt early on. By the way, if you just kind of peek ahead a little bit, so the Blues have that game or that series against Colorado coming up this weekend. They've got a four-game homestand this week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Nathan McKinnon, it doesn't sound like he's going to play in that series for Colorado. A lot of guys aren't playing for Colorado right now. He is listed as week to week. So it's not just the here and now. He might be out for a minute for them. Um, They also have so that Colorado's upcoming schedule. They've got two against Minnesota. Then they have the Blues. They've got four games against Vegas coming up with the number of guys specifically with McKinnon out because that is a team that is built on superstars. They they are deep, but it's not the same kind of team that the Blues are in terms of being built around depth. They could fall down in the standings a little bit. So if the Blues are able to get a little bit of a lead, edge themselves out from Colorado, that's going to go a long way in what is a shortened season. These points add up quick, man. They add up real quick. So games like this are huge. They are. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up next, Rockies beat writer for the Denver Post, Patrick Saunders, is going to join the show. 
He was on the Zoom call earlier today with the Colorado Rockies general manager and owner who both sounded just absolutely beaten down with exhaustion. He also talked just a little bit ago with Nolan Arenado about his time in Colorado and why he is now a St. Louis Cardinal. Patrick Saunders going to join the show coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. I'm really excited for this. We're going to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Patrick Saunders covers the Rockies for the Denver Post. You can follow him on Twitter. He's had some great coverage of this trade at P Saunders DP at P Saunders S A U N D E R S D P on Twitter. Patrick, is everything all right out there, man? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a great question. I don't know if you guys picked up on any of the. Uh press conference with the Rockies, but that was, uh, that was kind of like the Spanish inquisition today. That was, that was rough. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I paid attention on Twitter as much as I could. And the owner said that he hasn't considered firing the general manager. And I'm assuming this was said in jest, but has considered firing himself that, I mean, I feel like if there's ever a quote that gives me a general vibe as to how things are going out in Colorado, that, that was probably the one. Yeah, yeah, and let me put it in context a little bit for you. The, the guy who asked the question, um, this may or may not surprise you, uh, was Woody Page. Okay, we had okay. him on yesterday. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Woody is not known for his tact, let's put it that way. He doesn't work for the Denver Post, he works for the Colorado Springs Gazette. Uh, but Woody, it was a very pointed question, and I think that, that Dick was saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. The essence of what his question was, you know, you should fire Jeff Breidich. Why haven't you? And maybe you should sell the team. And to, to tell you a little bit more about how contentious this thing was and how uncomfortable the press conference was, Mark Kisla, who is our main sports columnist for the Denver Post, basically asked Monford, you know, well, maybe you sell the team. And Monford shot back, well, you'd like that, wouldn't you? So, it was not. Uh, it was not your typical presser. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I loved the tweet actually on the Spanish Inquisition, Patrick. I think that was spot on with it. The part that confuses me was the comments from British and also from Dick. One side saying that, look, this was the deal that it's been fatiguing. The general manager's perspective. It's something that we needed to get done. But then the owner on the opposite side said, look, if I'd be if I was a fan, I'm t- I'd be ticked off too. Was there miscommunication here, or was this more the general manager saying, hey, we're doing this without the owner's approval? No, no, not at all. That's just, you have to understand Dick Monfort. This is one of the reasons why I've always thought that the Rockies need a team president, which they don't have. Uh, Dick Monfort is the de facto team president. Uh, I've always thought they needed someone else in that front office between the owner and the GM. No, that's just Dick. Being Dick, he's kind of folksy. He grew up in Colorado. He he really does think of himself as kind of owner slash fan. And sometimes he's he's too honest for his own good. But to answer your question, uh, from everything I've been told, and Dick intimated this as well, uh, the driving force not only in this trade, but also when Nolan Arenado signed that long-term eight-year $260 million deal. Dick Monfort was really the driving force in both cases. 
So it's not like, you know, Dick and Jeff Wright were not on the same page. It's just they express themselves completely differently. We're talking to Patrick Saunders, Rockies beat writer for the Denver Post. All right, Patrick, let's talk about this deal specifically, because that's kind of, I I think our audience can kind of infer based on what you just said, things not going great in terms of the Rockies fans out there. They're not thrilled by this deal. And I don't blame them. They, according to baseball America, not a single top 10 Cardinals prospect went to the Rockies in this deal. How was this the best possible haul that they could get for Nolan Arenado. Can you give us a little bit of insight into, into that portion of this? Well, you know, I'm trying, still trying to wrap my, my head around it too. It, it just doesn't make sense to me that you would give up one of baseball's premier players at age 29 slash 30. The Rockies won't come out and say this, but essentially this was all about money for them. I think that was primary to this. Secondary was that Nolan Arnold was, Arnold was clearly unhappy. He clearly wanted out. And Breidich and Monfort made it clear that Nolan said he wanted out. Nolan's never really had the guts, I guess you could say, to publicly say, I want out. But that's the truth. Um, but the deal, the way, the way uh, Dick Monfort, the owner, explained it was this. They could have risked... Nolan Arnato playing one more season with the Rockies and then um, taking his opt-out, and they would basically get nothing for it except perhaps a draft pick at the end of the 2021 season. Monfort said, well, rather than just get one draft pick, we figured we'd do it this way and get five prospects. So that's kind of the, 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 the way he couched this or spun this. And I, I think I can understand that to a degree, like getting basically having the known as opposed to the unknown of what that draft pick is going to net you. I, I can follow there. I'm just surprised at what they got in return. And I would be curious, Patrick, now, I don't know if you know this or not. Did Nolan Arenado make it clear to the Rockies, hey, these are like, let's say maybe even the two teams that I'm willing to play for, that I will sign off my no trade clause for. And then maybe it was the Cardinals and the Dodgers. And obviously the Rockies aren't going to trade him to the Dodgers. And if that was the case, does that basically nullify any leverage that the Rockies would have had if they're only negotiating with one team? Well, there is some truth to that because Nolan had a, a no-trade clause in his contract, still does, now that he's a member of the Cardinals. Um, yeah, I think that limited the Rockies' options. But truthfully, I don't think there were that many teams out there, uh, given the financial state of baseball right now, that were going to be willing to, to put out the money to, to take on Nolan's contract. Uh, but I know for a fact that there, there are certain teams that Nolan has always told me that he'd be willing to go to. And certainly the Dodgers were the top of the list, but that wasn't going to happen. And he told me more than a year ago that he always thought the Cardinals would be a good fit for him. It's interesting. We had a separate um, Zoom call with Nolan, those of us who were the core beat writers with the Rockies, after all the, the, the big news conferences were done today. And Nolan was, was driving in his car somewhere, so you can imagine how the quality of the, the Zoom call wasn't the best. But I asked Nolan, I said, hey, listen, Dick seemed to say that he thought you were going to take this opt-out. And I asked him, would you have taken the opt-out considering, you know, there's no guarantees. If you had opted out, you'd get anything close to the money you were making in Colorado. And Nolan hedged hedged his response a little bit. He said, well, you know, 
that's tough to say now. He said it would have been pretty risky for me to do that. So I'm not sure the argument Dick Monford made that, well, no one was going to opt out anyway, so we needed to do something now. I'm not sure that really holds water because uh, there's no guarantee Nolan would have taken the risk at the end of 2021 to opt out uh, for what likely would have been a lot less money, at least in my opinion. So, Patrick, we heard Trevor Story talk earlier today saying that, you know, he's losing one of his best friends in Nolan Arenado, and he said that, frankly, he's disappointed that this has come to it. And we heard Dick Monford talk about how this kind of started with DJ LeMahieu, and they hoped to keep him. I mean, is Colorado going down this track of losing another superstar with Trevor Story who's coming up to be an, un, a free agent? You know what? I, knowing the people I have talked to, and Trevor has not told me this personally, but the people I have talked to have indicated to me that it's very, very likely that Trevor Story will opt to become a free agent after 2021. And I think the Rockies are aware of that, which makes it very possible that at some point he's going to be traded too. And Jeff Reich was asked point blank, is Trevor Story going to be on the opening day roster? And he said, yes, I believe he will be. But that doesn't mean a whole lot. You have a trade deadline coming up, and then and then you see how it plays. I don't know if you guys know very much about Trevor Story. Um, he is a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he hits for power. Uh, his Season, 2020 season, wasn't his best in fielding. He still got to an amazing number of baseballs, but I think he had 10 errors, which was a little uncharacteristic. But, guys, this guy is hes a superstar in the making. He's that good. Somebody told me the other day, he has a 31-inch vertical leap. For a guy as big as he is, and he's one of the fastest players in baseball, too. He, he's the, the real deal. Um, and I know the free agent class, Next fall and winter uh, is pretty stacked, and there's going to be competition. But uh, tell you what, Trevor Story in my book is one of the best upcoming players in baseball. But bottom line, given the financial uh, situation with the Rockies, I don't see how they're going to be able to be proactive in signing. Dick Monfort said a couple years ago that was one of the club's top priorities. But with the pandemic and everything else, um, I don't see that happening. We're talking to Patrick Saunders, Rockies beat writer for the Denver Post. Patrick, last question that I've got for you. And by the way, we've had a conversation or two about Trevor's story here in St. Louis, to <laughs> say the least. Um, we, yeah. we definitely discussed him as a possible candidate as well. Is there anything concerning to you about Arenado moving forward? Because as a... As somebody who looks on from afar, you can look at the baseball reference page. Obviously, 2020 wasn't his best season, and there's explanations for that, certainly with the shoulder injury. Is that a concern to you moving forward, or do you think Nolan Arenado is going to get right back to who he was previously? I think Nolan will be right back to where he was previously. His shoulder is fine. It is his left shoulder, by the way. You guys, I'm sure, are aware that was not his throwing shoulder. It robbed him of uh, a lot of his power less. Last year, I think no one exasperated, if that's a word, the the uh, problem because he's such a gym rat, such a cage rat, I think when he should have laid off hitting, he probably pressed it to the limit. I don't think that helped with the healing process. You guys, you got to remember, throw out 2020. In 2019, no one hit for a career high 315 and hit 41 home runs. Um, he, he, that, that's the player no one is. Now, at Bush Stadium, 
And at in the NL Central, is that average going to come down some? Because he's not going to have the advantage of the huge open spaces of Coors Field? Yeah. Will the home runs come down? Yeah, but not a lot. Uh, it's not like Nolan hits these titanic mile-high home runs. He's just a really good, solid hitter with power. Guys, I, I think Cardinals fans are going to see a new 290 hitter, a guy who's going to give them 30-plus home runs, and a guy who's going to just electrify them. I mean, you guys already know this, with his play at third base. And I think for Nolan, although the Rockies fans are going to miss him desperately, uh, this is a, a jumpstart to his career because I think, and this is my opinion, I thought he lost a little bit of his zest for the game, uh, his joy for the game. Uh, I think that's been reborn. And I have no doubt Nolan Arenado is going to be a multi-time all-star in a Cardinals uniform. Well, Patrick, we're certainly looking forward to uh, watching that this upcoming season. I would love to catch up with you again as we kind of get closer to things and hear more about what this story is, is ultimately the postscript on all of this. All the best to you. Enjoy covering this. Enjoy covering this Rockies team in 2021. We'll talk with you again soon, Patrick. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. You got it. That's Patrick Saunders, Rockies beat writer for the Denver Post. That last quote that he had there, he fell out of love a little bit with baseball last season. We've made the comparison a million different times. There's two trades that this reminds me of. If you're looking baseball-wise, it's clearly Scott Rowland. Uh, Scott Rowland is the one-to-one comparison for what the Cardinals are getting in Nolan Arenado. You want to do a cross-sport comparison? Yep. Ryan O'Reilly. That quote was Ryan O'Reilly. Again, it, it comes back to, like, the, this is very clearly O'Reilly when he was with Buffalo, lost lost all of his love for the sport of hockey. We can't even believe that that would be possible now watching that guy. I, th- I think that what we're watching here is a combination of those two trades in one for the Cardinals. 100%. With Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over with the fast lane next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs. today i apologize to the fast lane so what do you guys have coming up today my man <laughs> so we've got skip schumacher coming up we got joy vitale coming up more on the nolan arenado trade of course jamie's got some stuff good stuff on the blues and vladimir tarasenko will he be back Ooh. sooner than we all expect looking forward to that that's coming up from two to six on the fast lane if you missed anything today on bk and ferrario or the danny mac show with bk it's all 101espn.com the free 101 espn app is presented by i promise we'll be back tomorrow at 11 right here on 101 espn you've been listening to the bk and ferrario podcast powered by i promise